0: Hi, everybody. Stefan Molyneux from Freedom Main Radio. Hope you're doing well. It's time for our Wednesday evening Mariana Trench of the Soul deep dive into basic and elemental questions of practical and applied philosophy, not the kind of philosophy that wonders whether we are the dream of the jellyfish, that wonders whether the sea monkeys you could order from the back of your comic book destroy and rebuild the city every night without anyone noticing. These are the kind of questions that... You can actually ask after you're old enough to pay your own, own rent. So, Mike, uh, thanks so much for setting it up. Uh, we've got, um, I guess, one or two
1: speaking announcements to remind people of it. Yeah, International Conference on Men's Issues, June 26th through 28th in Detroit, Michigan. Uh, you can get tickets at avoicefourmen.com, Uh Dr. Warren Farrell is going to be there, Go Writes What, Karen Strawn is going to be there, Paul Elam is going to be there. Lots of interesting people are going to be there and hopefully you will be there as well. Uh, Steph is going to be speaking. I'm going to be there. We're going to be doing some cool stuff in conjunction with the event. So if you're a listener and you can make your way to Detroit, please do. It'd be great to see you there. And yeah, uh, Steph is also and have a beat up and stuff too, right? Yeah. Yeah, we'll set something up. And I don't have the date in front of me, but Steph's also going to be speaking at a domestic violence conference in early June in downtown Toronto. And that information will be on the, the speeches page and announced on social media in just, uh, just a little bit, figuring out what exact days he can attend. But uh, he will be there giving a speech, and Aaron Pizzi is there, going to be there for the event. And I think Paul's actually coming in too, Paul Elam. So it should be a good time, and hope to see people in downtown Toronto early June.
0: Yeah, I think Alan Pizzi is going to be breaking out her rap act. She's going to be Ellen Pizzi von, Sizzi, von Schizzi von von Shiznet. I think if if I've got that correct. So that really will be something to see. So uh, other than that, um, yeah, thanks for your support. FDRURL.com forward slash donate 50 cents a show. Come on. It's hour after hour of deep dive philosophy. Change your life. Uh, So you can come and subscribe or donate. We hugely appreciate that. We also take Bitcoin. And Mike, I think, is fairly amenable to black market mailed iced kidneys. Uh, but uh, so, Mike, who do we have up first?
1: <laughs> the going rate on blackmailed kidneys has dropped lately, so that's unfortunate. But still, we, well, we are flooding them. the market. so. <laughs> <clears throat> Excuse me. Josh Rodin said If you feel trapped in a comfort zone and want a breakthrough routine of antisocial behavior, which is a higher priority, direct confrontation of the root cause or aiming for a slow and steady recovery?
2: Can you hear me? Right.
0: Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Sorry, normally we've. We find the questions help, but in this case, it hasn't
2: really <laughs> done that. So can you tell me a bit? I can explain the situation a little bit better. Um, over time, I've developed uh, social anxiety, and I've noticed that uh, wait, wait, my routines...
0: Wait, 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 wait. Uh, wait. Problem, the problem is always at the beginning of the narrative, right? You developed social anxiety? What does that mean?
2: Um, over time, I you know,
0: kind of just... I developed pubic hair when I was 12. Um, because that's what biology says to do. And, you know, my pubic hair basically started sucking the hair out from my scalp inwards through my spine. But that's something that develops spontaneously through, you know, nature, right? Uh, through, through, yeah. through just growing up. So you have a theory as to the genesis of your social anxiety in that it was uh, um, it developed within you or like it was not environmental or that's what I want to understand first.
2: Oh, yeah. um, I guess I guess I would have to rephrase that to say that um, the intensity of my social anxiety grew over time. OK, you just did exactly the same
0: thing. You just the the difference between (laughs) developed and grew is is, is unimportant. Okay.
2: Yeah, but the intensity is what I was talking about.
0: (laughs) Okay, but, Um, but developed still doesn't tell me whether it was internal to you or whether it was environmental or some combination of the two.
2: Uh, probably a combination of the two. Um, yeah, that's also a non-answer because that doesn't help. And is, it, is it exactly
0: fifty percent? Right? Where does your social
2: anxiety come from? Leaning more on environmental. Um, just I think, had a huge part in it. Uh, I'm sorry, what? The upbringing, how I was raised. Okay, tell me more. Um a lot of alcoholism from a kid like my in my family so uh oh huge i uh, oh, give me a second sorry okay um i had my my childhood was kind of uh, messed up and actually and i will go more into detail that in, uh, with that in a moment but um i sat with my older sister the other day and we had a conversation while we had a chance to be alone and we kind of started talking about our childhoods and we realized when we meshed up um both of our sides of the story that we had blacked out parts of our childhood and um yeah so the, so the whole story with that is that uh when i was younger um, it, it's most it's mostly due to alcoholism and parenting skills i would say uh, I, okay. So, and I'm sorry. So both of your parents
0: were alcoholics. Yes, sir. Um, and how often did they, uh, did they drink? And to what degree did they drink?
2: Um, foobar. <laughs> oh <laughs> fucked God, up on really? all repair all the time. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, like, like we, seriously,
0: like riding on a train, sex with a stranger kind of stuff.
2: uh, uh, I would say, not have the capability to know where any of your children are or what's going on with them at any point in time while they're drinking, and then
0: coming and how old and out. were? I'm sorry to interrupt. How old were you when this when you knew this or noticed this?
2: When I started noticing it, uh, I would have to say about five, five or six. Did it happen before then? Did you know of? Oh, I, yeah. It must have because I mean. The situation that the family was in. My father was in the military, and I was actually born in Guam. And you know, we move around a lot, and uh, you could see the happiness, I guess you would say, and uh, in the like how we connected, we were to each other. You know, there was just moving around all the time, and never really, we don't really talk about anything. You know, if there's a confrontation, like something as simple as uh, someone left the toilet seat up. And it annoyed someone, and so if it would um, they wouldn 't talk about it or anything like that. they would just let let that uh wait until this, something big happened, and then they would bring up a bunch of stuff at one point in time, you know just avalanche of emotion
0: and i um, sorry how often how often did your parents drink to the FUBAR bar planet
2: uh, once again I, I did I did realize that I blacked out a lot of my childhood, so I would Just from what I remember, I remember we had to go to our uh, babysitter often um, because they wanted to go drink. And this was on the weekends. You know, we'd go to – we'd stay the night at the babysitter's house or something like that. So, yeah, all the time. So,
0: I'm sorry to interrupt you, but in what possible universe could you ascribe any social anxiety to a genetic cause given this environment?
2: Uh, I think that – my mother has it, like, but she doesn't show emotion, so I can never get anything out of her.
0: Oh, so you think that your parents or your mom may
2: have drunk because she had social anxiety? I, b- I believe, yeah, it was to alleviate the strain of the anxiety. I, I It could have been, or I have no idea. Well, hang on, hang on, <laughs> I mean, hang on,
0: hang on, hang on. So did she drink when she had
2: social engagements? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, all family events.
0: But, but you said uh, she drank a lot, right? So she did. She have that many social engagements?
2: Um, it was a small town. To if you were gonna drink, if you were drinking, you'd either have a couple local people come over that were friends of yours, or you'd go to the small town bar in the next in the uh, next town over. Um, so these yeah, were people uh, that she knew. Yeah. Oh, they, yeah. Um, my parents together were enabling each other to basically just be raging alcoholics
0: right okay so we don't know for sure if she drank because of social anxiety she may have drunk for other reasons right
2: it's possible yeah i can never get anything out of her
0: okay so sorry there's some questions in the chat room about what is fubar. it's fucked up beyond all repair or fucked up beyond all recognition yeah. i think those two are fairly valid right
2: yeah, either either or. Those both work. Yeah, okay. Um, so that's
0: pretty terrifying as a child, right? Absolutely. Um, I mean, and like seriously, like my parents are like insane, flaming, deranged, mad, broken, sparking, electrode shooting robots from hell, right? I mean, this is like really terrifying stuff. I mean, the people in charge of you are out of control on a regular basis.
2: Absolutely. And I can actually further that point with something that we uh, came to get. We actually remember Um, when we were children, once again, this was all small towns. So if we wanted to go to a park or something, we'd have to go to the next town over because it was a little bit bigger. Um, Well, one day, me and my siblings, I have an older sister and a younger brother, we decided we wanted to go to the park and we were not going to let up about it. So um, I guess my mom had been drinking and we – And she, I guess she was convinced to take us to the park in the next town over, and somebody had seen her um, kind of swerving when she was going through our town. And by the time we got to the park in the next town over, uh, she was pulled over and arrested for a DUI.
0: And how old were you then?
2: I had to have been, yeah, around five, five years old. Wow. Wow. So, I mean, she was
0: so obviously drunk. That she was pulled over for weaving.
2: Absolutely, yes. With a goddamn five year old in the car. And your five year sister? Nine year old sister. Nine-year-old sister and two year old brother.
0: Oh my god. So, oh, I mean,
2: worse. <laughs> you lived in danger
0: of death.
2: Yes. As a child. Absolutely. Oh, I, I have a bigger one, bigger example than that, actually, of uh, drinking and driving. Uh, basically we, it was that same small town that I started realizing the issue. We had moved from the country to that small town and we were going back to the country to grab, uh, the last of our things. And look, and, uh, so in the front car was my mother, my sister, our family dog, and my younger brother was in the car seat. And for some reason, I cannot remember why, but my dad said, I want to talk to you. So I rode with him. Well, we're driving down the road and we look up and the SUV that they were driving is flipped over in a ditch. And we go up who there was and driving? apparently my mother. Oh my god. Yeah, so it was flipped over. Um like apparently some car in the country you're supposed to yield because you never because the corn's tall, you can't see who's if anyone's coming, so you're supposed to yield and make sure. Apparently that didn't happen. And Basically, my brother and his car seat flew out the window, and they couldn't find him right away because he was in the brush. Which it was actually the rainy season, so that should have been flooded. So technically, he's the luckiest kid in the world because he should have drowned.
0: And well, I, my sister, I technically—he's not even close to the luckiest kid in the world.
2: Ah, uh, you are correct. Well, for survival, that—that that is amazing that he was able to survive that without even being conscious of the situation. Um, And my dad ended up driving my mother to the hospital because he didn't want the ambulance to take her because that would have been a a DUI again.
0: Yeah, and I mean, obviously, he was very concerned that she might get her fucking license taken away, right? Because that would be really fucking tragic. Mm -hmm. Absolutely.
2: But yeah. um, Are um, you feeling any,
0: um, just out of curiosity, are you feeling any emotions when you're talking about this stuff?
2: I'm 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 pissed off, honestly. Uh, <laughs> just remembering back to it, it's just I the when I when I actually talked to Mike the first time to make this conversation, I was like, type when I typed the message explaining the situation and you know all the stuff. I I actually broke the keyboard. I was so angry. I was pounding on it. Um, <laughs> it really does yeah. make me angry, and I'm not trying to laugh at it. I'm just this this nervousness, but <sighs> yeah, 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 it's terrible. That I, that this is a huge part of my childhood. It's pretty much the entire time I lived in that town before we moved to a bigger city. This is not a, this is your childhood. I mean, not wanting to be fucking killed
0: by your drunken, retarded asshole parents is your childhood.
2: Yeah. Yeah, you're
0: right. How the fuck did she not get charged? Why being drunk flipping an SUV and a kid flying out the window into a ditch that should have had water in it? I mean, how the hell did she not get charged again? How the fuck is she allowed to drive?
2: I I have no idea. I think my dad lied when they got to the hospital or something and said they someone else was driving or something and that she's a, Oh, so he know. was really was, great at protecting people, just not his own goddamn children. Yeah, well my dad's a complete sociopath, so I don't really expect much from him. Right. Yeah. Right. And yeah, I mean, that's that's just that's just. Well, that's, uh, it's interesting it's interesting that your father,
0: day. your father was in the military. You said, yes. So your father, you know, faced death in the military, and you faced death as his children, right? Although you probably had a much higher chance of dying than he did as a soldier.
2: Oh yeah, he was in Guam. Um, he taught people how to uh, protect the bombs if someone were to come attack. So he was constantly yelling at people, uh, <laughs> telling them what to do. And, yeah, he kind of brought that back home with him. And, yeah, he wasn't in any danger when he was there. He was just hanging out on an island.
3: Right. Okay.
0: All right.
2: <sighs> yeah.
0: Um, so you have... I mean, you are like a library of horror stories, right? You could say you're that. like a Stephen King from fucking wall to wall, right?
2: Yeah, I I would definitely. So, what the hell are you supposed to talk about with people? <laughs> um, I was. No,
0: I mean, I names. know it's funny. It's a funny question, but it's a serious question like when you're stuffed full of that amount of trauma what the hell are you supposed to talk about with people you know coming from this kind of completely insane and evil history for which i'm incredibly sorry what an unbelievably terrifying existence to live you know hope i don't die today um you know people who drive drunk are you know blindfolded assholes machine gunning with kids around, I mean, I just, I, I, I hate, I hate people who drive drunk so much, and uh, I'm, you know, I'm so, I'm so sorry. And to me, when you come from these kinds of histories, because I mean, I had different dangers myself. I mean, I, I just had the danger of a mom who would lose control and beat me to death, right? So, uh, but it wasn't quite as constant. I was able to manage it because my mom was not a substance abuser. So I was afraid of, like, uh, you know, getting choked out by a lunatic, but I was not afraid uh, of – we didn't even have a car, right? So, but it's sort of like when you come from a traumatic history, socializing with the general population, it's kind of like you just got abducted by an alien and you have video footage on your phone of genuine aliens – and then you go to a party and you can't tell anyone. Like, what the fuck are you supposed to talk about? I just got abducted by aliens. I've got the footage right here on my phone, and I'm not allowed to talk about it. It's not social anxiety. It's simply being too stuffed full of horror and secrets to be able to make any small talk.
2: Yeah, I can. I can definitely. I can definitely see that. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't. And I started studying. I was actually a very angry kid. Um, my parents got divorced when I was in second grade. I became the man of the house, and yeah, he he ran up all of her credit card bills when that happened, and she divorced him because he was like cheating on her or something. I don't know. They're just terrible, terrible situation. Um, yeah, and it wasn't until I started, like, I randomly found something on YouTube, and it was philosophy, and then I started studying law, and like these things, it gave me something to aim for that's more a lot more peaceful and i didn't get that stuff until i was 17 in 2007 and you didn't get oh to my stuff i i didn't get to um the study of philosophy i you know okay. i yeah just violent neighborhood violent kids going around you know that's pretty much it, it just went from one shit storm to another every time we moved and uh you know until we finally ended up in a decent neighborhood and I, I could calm down and I went online and I started looking at philosophy. Um, the reason I did that is because I got in trouble with law. So I started looking at law, then somehow reasoning and logic always tend to mix together. And I ended up with philosophy and I'm really happy that that happened because <laughs> I don't know where I'd be if I didn't have an outlet for, you know, anything. And what you, happened to You mom? think it's not, uh, she, she had to go to, um, rehab and, uh, Why did she have to go to rehab? Alcoholism. No, I get that. But why, why, why did she go? <laughs> um, endangering. Her, she, she didn't have a choice. It was court ordered. So right. She what that, happened that
0: she was court ordered to go?
2: It was that situation where she was driving us to the park and, uh, oh, so she got she, hit with another DUI with kids? No, no, she only had car. she only had one. Um, the other, the one where she crashed, was not a DUI because my dad took her to the hospital right. instead of the ambulance. So, So, um, yeah, but after park that happened before the park situation, and then the park situation, um, yeah, I had to go to rehab from that, and I we couldn't, and you know, don't don't quote me on this cause we couldn't remember because I think we blacked this part out, but we suspect that when that happened, um, when our dad was supposed to be taking care of us and he was never home at all cause he'd go to work and then drink with his buddies and he'd come and pass out drunk on the couch, pee all over the couch, put a pizza in, forget about it. And, w- and everyone would wake up to the fire alarm <laughs> to burn pizza and, uh, yeah. And I think we, we cannot say yes or no on this, but we think he might've not taken care of us. Um, because I remember in my childhood, uh, not having food. Like my sister would put two oh, pieces yeah. of bread together and, and throw some sugar in there and hand it to my younger baby brother, and convince him that it was a snack when it was just two pieces of bread. Um,
0: hey, you had we some bread. To,
2: I had to, uh, yeah, I had to pick the moldy shit off food. Oh yeah, I can. Uh, yeah, we we would hide food. Oh, around the you house you hang and,
0: around. You hang around friends' houses like around dinner time. And, mm-hmm. you know, you just cross your fingers that you're going to get in, an invite, right?
2: Absolutely. And I, I actually ended up um, going to the local grocery store and stealing batteries because this is the time period where Pokemon on Game Boy was cool. So I would sell cheap batteries that I had stolen and, and uh, you know, give my brother food and give me food for lunch.
0: Yeah, no, for those who, um, yeah, the, the, the search for food from hungry kids is a pretty all-consuming endeavor when you are calorically challenged because of fucked up parents Uh, so for those who've not had to go through that nomadic food hunting you know I remember um, being at school and and going on day trips and not having any food you know I mean I would get uh, uh, packets of crackers and condiments and I would put like ketchup and uh, relish and mustard on crackers and that would be my food um, because there was just no fucking food in the house. And, uh, yeah. yeah, it's, uh, it's rough. Uh, it's rough. Uh, you know, sometimes I would actually go out on dates, <laughs> go over to the woman's house just cause, or the girl's house, I guess when I was a teenager, just because they'd, they'd have food. And, uh, I did actually, I'd stole some food from people's houses. Um, so yeah, yeah done it's, uh, it's a rough, uh, it's a rough, it's a rough thing to have to go through. And, uh, I am, uh, I'm incredibly sorry for all of that.
2: Yeah it's it's nothing i can do about it now you know it's already happened and uh i mean i just i guess my main struggle i mean if you <laughs> so you think it's not social anxiety disorder it's just being overwhelmed by terrible situations that i've been in or
0: well if you spell out the letters at the beginning of social anxiety disorder what do you get
2: i'm just sad <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs>
0: Yeah, I you know social anxiety disorder um it you know this is why I asked you about the the etymology or the the origins of what you call the dysfunction because that's kind of important. You know, it is um I I'll, t- I'll tell you why it's tough to talk to people when you've had a completely screwed up childhood. And this I blame society for. This is not the faults of us victims. When you have had a truly tragic childhood, and and you had a truly tragic childhood, so did I, when you've had a truly tragic childhood, you will never know how cold-hearted the motherfuckers on this planet are until you open your heart about your sad history in the company of the unempathetic muggles who never had many struggles?
2: Yeah, I I realized that after uh, I can try to I have uh, very good friends from my childhood that you know I go over to their house and I have like four families within a mile radius of my house where I'm considered the adopted son, um, and I try to explain them to them that hey, can I talk to you about this? It's about my childhood. And I'm getting flashbacks and I'm remembering stuff now that I blacked out for, you know, emotional trauma. And I, I think, you know, just their response is, you know, the same as, as everyone else. I'm sorry that that happened to you. And then, you know, yeah. End of topic, That happened right? to me too, you know.
0: Yeah, yeah exactly. End of topic. Yeah, you know, I, many years ago, but long after I was uh, a teenager, uh, the mom of one of my friends, uh, I, I met her again. Now, this woman knew what a bitch my mom was and knew how unstable and dysfunctional she was. Knew all of that. And, you know, first question out of her mouth is, how is your poor mother? Seriously? Seriously.
2: It's like, I don't understand why why women get so much sympathy when... (laughs) And, and this isn't some sexist remark or anything, I, a lot of the trauma was from the female parent, you know, and I'm supposed to... Oh, yeah. I'm supposed to well, your mom chose your life. dad, like, right? Absolutely. Yeah. You know, and, and I'll even, you know, on the f- times I can actually speak to her, I'll, I'll be like, uh, what were you thinking, you know? <laughs> why, why would you create if with that, you know? Like, I'm not saying that I don't love life and stuff because I'm happy to be here, but why was that the guy? That was that was you know, the father. He's a t- and me. I I despise my dad. By the way, I I don't talk to him. I don't answer phone calls. I don't do anything that has to do with him because he is so manipulative. <sighs> I just try to avoid. Well, yeah, but I you know, to... you say
0: why do women get such a break? But you're giving your mom a break too, or you've talked a lot more about anger with your dad than with your mom.
2: I I have. Less anger with my mother because in the divorce. Bullshit. It, she, she, sorry, sorry. It, I, no, no, no.
0: Until women are buying men rings, until women are asking men out, until women are earning a lot of money so that men can stay home with the kids, until men are putting makeup and fishnet stockings and high heels on to attract women, women are responsible for the creation of families because men ask women out, men make the proposals, and women say yes or fucking no. That's their entire job. Yes or no? Put some false eyelashes on, push your tits up, and say yes or no. That's the fucking job. Yes or no? And that's the foundation of just about everything that goes on in the world is the woman saying yes Or no. Hell yeah, or ooh, here's some mace, right?
2: Yeah, I can definitely understand. That's
0: all it is. You know, and women, you know, every time I talk about women's responsibility for who they fuck and who they have children with, women are all like, it takes two to tango. Yeah. When I was shopping for an engagement ring, there weren't a lot of women in there. It was all men buying shit with which to buy women. Here, here's a down payment on your pussy. It was dug out of the center of the earth and it passed through the fucking intestines of some African slave and was sold to a massive, massive multinational corporation who funds child soldiers. Here, a diamond for your pussy forever. God. And then women are like, well, you know, it takes two to tango. Well, it doesn't take two to buy an engagement ring. It doesn't take, who goes on whose knee? The man goes on his knees begging the woman. And the woman gets to say, yeah or no. Yes or no. That's the whole job. Yes or no. That's it. And if you say yeah. yes to an asshole, you are an asshole. I don't even know how to put it any clearer than that.
2: I'm not I'm not saying that she that it's completely forgiven or you think that I'm not I'm not even saying I'm anywhere near. Who wants a
0: wedding for Christ's sake? I mean which man says, you know, I could have a sports car or I could have or, a cake the size of the Eiffel Tower and a woman who looks like some cloud shot on her head. Jesus. Who wants a wedding? The wedding industry is like larger. Than the arms race, it is a kind of arms race. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> women are like, like I got a man so much by the balls I could squeeze them, and fucking crystalware comes out of it, and napkins <laughs> and napkins that look like fucking Howard Hughes has doodled on them with a stencil for four thousand years, and something called a centerpiece, which I still can't figure out what the fuck it is. <laughs>
2: Oh, okay. I gotcha. I gotcha. No. Who wants
0: that shit? It wasn't even Hey, can we find a really shitty band? <laughs> is that possible? <laughs> a band who's been together for twenty years and is still playing weddings. Is that possible? A band who's like one point oh one percent better than your average karaoke performer? Let's have that! That would be fantastic! I couldn't think of anything better. Maybe they know House of the Rising Sun. <laughs> wouldn't that be cool god almighty oh, who wants who wants a car <laughs> that looks like the longest aluminum shit you've ever had i mean who wants that stuff what the fuck is a corsage why are there dead flowers <laughs> in my tits i can't figure that shit out why who wants this, this is all for women god yeah <laughs> I, I Let's spend dollars on a dress that you're gonna bitch about never fitting in again for the rest of your natural-born life. That makes you look like <laughs> that makes you look like some candy ass volcano pumped it right out of your shoes. Oh who wants oh, a god. wedding? Oh my god. But it takes two to tango, you know. We aren't responsible. <laughs> You see, men buy us rings, men buy us weddings, men buy us stuff, men buy us houses. (laughs) Have you ever seen the average bachelor's place? It's like a cardboard box with a $6,000 stereo inside. That's what men, (laughs) that's what men want. Do you know there's this thing called trim that goes around like the edges of houses? Apparently it's really fucking important. I mean, it's really important. It has to have the right number of bevels, for Christ's sake. That's called trim. If you don't know what it is, consider yourself lucky.
2: <laughs> I, I don't, so there we go. If you yeah. don't know what it is? <laughs> Excellent.
0: No idea. Excellent. Do you know you can get marble in your house? I've seen this in people's houses. You can get marble in your house. You will never, ever, ever, ever know whether that fucking surface is clean because it's all mottled and shit and it's all like you can wipe it and it's like you don't know whether you're wiping up the marble or some ant shit that's on your counter. Like you couldn't think of a more ridiculous thing to put on your counter. I'll never know if this is clean. It's literally like ordering tidy whities with shit stains already in them. I don't know if these things are clean or not. Hey, can I get some t-shirts that already smell like BO and can never ever be clean? Fantastic. Can I get a car that smells like ass? Wonderful. Can I get counters? I'll never, ever know if they're clean. Oh, that's the one thing. On the other hand, though, do you know what you need to get? Let me tell you what you need to get. You need to get glasses. You need to get glasses that if there is one tiny hair from a fly's tongue within 4,000 light years of them, a woman will know. And then you need to get some shit that goes in your dishwasher that will melt your fucking hand off if you touch it. Because that stuff has got to be so clean, you can use it to create an industrial-strength laser with which to separate your two uni- your two eyebrows. Anyway, I could go on and on. <laughs> I believe not. you. <laughs> but, despite, uh, but this is um... – <laughs> it's <laughs> this idea that somehow you know men and women are equal in the courting game and it takes two to tango it's like maybe if 99.9% of the world's resources weren't wrapped around the vanity of women for useless shit that that destroys the planet maybe then we can consider it equal maybe if over 80% of the money spent in a household wasn't spent by women, And the other 20% is <laughs> men with a list made by women. Maybe if 98.9% of every mall, except for one corner where you can take a shit as a man under a tree somewhere, wasn't dedicated to the beautification and vanity of women. Maybe then we could say, hey, you know, stuff's kind of equal in the dating game. <laughs> but anyway. <sighs> <laughs>
2: okay. <laughs> Long one. Um, yeah, you're right. That's that. That should not be forgiven easily. <laughs> it wasn't even easily though. It was. She hasn't touched a drink since, and she Can refuses do one more? to drive. She rides it. Go on. Can I? Just, <laughs> more. I just. I just. just one one more, more. That's it. Okay. I will allow it. <laughs> okay.
0: Okay. Have you ever been to the paint section in a hardware store? Yes. First of all, can't they have any straight names for paint? It's almost like us, this chap's gay flower. You know, Jesus it's the like can't they have, yeah. you know, like uh, man's squid beer shit on a stick. You know, why can't they have just some, you know, chest hair neon or something like that? It's like the gayest <laughs> names. Like I know they're designers and all that. It's the gayest conceivable names. Paint, I, you know, I'm fine, you know, I'm fine, you know, paint, whatever, right? But oh my God, it's like the shades that they have the shades that they have, (laughs) I remember when I was living with the woman, she's literally holding up these paint chips, right? And it's like, which color do you like? And I I seriously, like, you could have given me a million dollars to tell them apart. You know, well, this one is Chartreuse baby's alphabet wing. And this one is like butterfly ass cantaloupe or whatever it is, right? And it's like, I can't possibly tell which ones these are apart. It's like, I'm holding them up to the wall. I took the, holding them up to the wall. Which color do you like? It's like, all of these colors make me want to go and have sex with Freddie Mercury. I can't tell you which one I like, because if I like any of these colors, I'm not living with a woman. If I can tell these women apart, I'm banging guys.
2: Anyway. <laughs> OK. Um, yeah, I kind of lost what I was thinking. Sorry. I...
0: <laughs> no, we were talking about how you weren't angry at your mom.
2: It's Apparently not. I'm more not...
0: Paint than I am at your mom, But, but go ahead. <laughs>
2: Yeah. Um, it's not, it's not necessarily that it's a lack of anger. It's, it's more, I've seen more effort to be a better parent from her than I've seen from my dad. So there's still anger. It's just not the fiery hatred that I have towards my father. <laughs> Why? I mean, you said
0: she's made an effort to be a better parent, but didn't she? Um, didn't she end up having to go to rehab?
2: Yes, that was all when I was. Yeah, that was all when I was a kid. But after, after, after she was she done with reading? that, she absolutely yeah, not a drop, even at her wedding. And when did she stop? Oh, she's about twenty years ago. All right, <laughs> twenty years ago, really. So around, you were still yeah. a kid, but you stopped. Yeah, it must have been about 18 years. Okay. Yeah, I was still a little kid.
0: And when did she divorce your dad? How old were you?
2: Uh, whatever. I can't remember the age. I was in second grade. Okay. Uh, yeah, about eight. And,
0: uh, All right, so yeah. should we go back to your social anxiety?
2: Well, now I just I – mean, my, my main point with the question was should I confront them or just seek third-party help and like – because I, I, I clearly have a lot of issues with – like when I go out, I feel anxious all the time. And sadly, I, I'm admitting this because it's true, I do drink with my friends if we go out to a bar or something where I don't know people and I don't want to, and you can't talk to people at a bar about anything intelligent. All so, right. Hang what on. I do? Hey. Hang on. <laughs> when you use the
0: word friends, perhaps yes. it's slightly different. Cause I'll tell you this, knowing your history, if I was your friend and you said, Hey, I'm feeling anxious. I think I'll have a drink. What do you think I would say?
2: Probably No, <laughs> Due to the obvious alcoholism trend with my upbringing. Yeah. Yeah. But, but it's on the same on the same thing. I've you know the people that I can tell that I hold I restrain myself from most conversation that I could have with people, and I, I can't ah, even. but no, no, no. I okay, sorry, it.
0: sorry, to interrupt. I'm sorry. Yeah, I, um, sorry, to interrupt. Okay, but you have to know why you're having trouble talking with people. Then you won't need the alcohol, right? Yeah. Alright. So
2: I just don't know if it's you better know for you. Why you're to having do.
0: trouble talking to people?
2: I I don't know. I am trying to think. It it's just I judgment or something. I don't know. I feel when I'm around people, I don't know what to talk about or something, and then the overwhelming anxiety, anxious feeling comes over me and I And I, my amygdala lights up and says, okay, we're getting out of here.
0: Why? Okay. Okay. So that's, that's good. So how are you feeling in this conversation?
2: Uh, I'm easing into comfort. I feel a lot better than I did at the beginning.
0: Do you feel like you don't know what to talk about?
2: I feel like I've introduced so many random occurrences of terrible things that I'm kind of just jumping around. But I, yeah, but I don't. do you
0: feel like you don't have something to say? Like, do you feel like you you have to struggle for something to say? I don't mean is everything you're saying coherent? God knows, I don't achieve that. But but <laughs> are you struggling for like, oh God, what do I say? I, in other words, are yeah. you outside of yourself, watching yourself having the conversation and interfering with your communication?
2: Yes. Yeah, I'm to on topic, but it's like too many too many topics for the short amount of time that can I speak. So. <laughs> No, but too many topics is not social anxiety, right?
0: That's maybe you can't get everything in that you want to say, but you're not you're not struggling for what like to say something or anything, right?
2: Yeah, I'm pretty much telling telling the stories of my past and I don't know. I mean, I'm trying to think where what what exactly i could do to make myself feel better and mike did suggest talking to no 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 i I will no hang on hang on sorry sorry to interrupt i mean i'm talking about you being a
0: better you know i'm talking about uncomfortable and i keep interrupting you so i'm sorry for that but um but i think that there's a reason what happens if you talk about this stuff's on your mind a lot right i mean you're young it was a hell of a horrifying history you've got a boatload of processing to do and not like dinky like a fucking super tanker processing to do so this stuff is on your mind a lot right
2: all the time yes
0: and is this something you can talk about with your friends
2: i have talked about it with my actual my best friend we can talk about this stuff and there's no judgment there and there's empathy and all that yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yes. Yeah, between me and Okay, but what about the friends yeah. you're drinking with? Um no. Not at all. Um I'll try to explain anxiety and I'll just try to explain a bunch of stuff like they found out I was an atheist, so every once in a while they'll call me heathen. <laughs> and you know Yeah, which I is I the get... bullshit way of dealing with somebody's beliefs, right? Absolutely it's and, It's uh, snarky. yeah, it's definitely more difficult to, speak to most of the people that I know, and you know you yeah it yeah, and now now that I'm thinking about it, why do I call these people friends um well, this is my question right i i I don't have an honest answer for that I cannot think to myself why I surround myself with these people because.
0: No. Oh. I don't know, i would give you that right away. But
2: um yeah, because you don't even know if it's your social
0: anxiety, right?
2: Exactly.
0: You know, we we, we think of ourselves like and we do we have this brain, right? That sits inside our head, right? Yeah. Right? What's it the great line in True Detective, we sit in a little box pretending to be a person. <laughs> Um, but we have this brain that sits inside our head that doesn't have you know physical connection with with anybody else. And because of that physical reality, we think of ourselves as individual. and we think of everything that's in our head as us, as ours, right? I mean, it's not like if somebody else is if somebody else drinks, it's not my liver that gets fucked up, right? If somebody else smokes, you know some other house, it's not my lungs that get screwed up. So we have this physical integrity that makes us feel like we're sort of separate from other people, right? And nothing could be more dangerous and delusional than this idea that we are somehow uh, uh, within ourselves, within our heads, we have this kind of integrity uh, and independence from others. That is not how the mind of a tribal creature, and we are tribal creatures, that's not how the mind of a tribal creature works. We are impressed upon, whether we like it or not, by everyone who spends time with us. Everyone who spends time with us infects us, for better or for worse, right? It can be an inoculation or it can be a disease, right? Yeah. Everyone who spends time with us, everyone we expose ourselves to, whether it's through the media, in person or whatever, has an impression upon us. Which is why the vividness of video games back to the first caller is so important because these people, it it impresses upon us that all interactions must be dealt with with lightsabers and rocket launchers and uh, magic missiles and fireball spells, right? Uh, everything is combat and, and all of these games are training you for win-lose combat. They're not training you for win-win negotiations, but, um, so you don't know, like, so if you're an atheist and other people are uncomfortable with that and they're making snarky little bullshit comments, you have no idea yet whether it's your social anxiety or their social anxiety, right? Because people who are very unconscious of their own problems, will almost always provoke those problems in other people, right? Yeah. So people who are very socially anxious will provoke social anxiety in other people, right? So if your atheism makes them uncomfortable, they're going to make snarky little comments to keep you kind of off balance and keep you feeling a little anxious and basically telling you that you can't talk about something that's very important to you. That's their anxiety, not yours. But they're creating that anxiety in you to cover up right? the best defense is a good offense. They're creating that anxiety in you so that you focus on yourself rather than learning something true about them.
2: Ah, emotional mask. Right. Did not think about it like that. Yeah. Yeah. I
0: mean, we, we (laughs) always know like the people, so people who are, um, people who are unfaithful are often very suspicious of their partner, right? They're projecting, right? Mm -hmm. This, this, Lack of trustworthiness that
2: they have
0: that they project onto their partner, and and so on, right?
2: Yeah. But and it's funny. It's funny because when you yeah, say that, now that I'm thinking, um, <laughs> everyone that I, like all my closest friends, they're very outgoing socially. Like they, they're music musicians and stuff, and they go out and perform out in town, at like bars and stuff like that. And it's now that I'm thinking about it. Huh. Yeah. Cause I, I do attach myself to people who are socially outgoing because I'm not able to do that. You know, I do podcasts and stuff online all the time, but if I were to have to give a speech, I'd have a heart attack. Hmm. I just, I think that's strange that, uh, I just think it's strange that me not, not having the comfortability and the anxiety when being around large groups of people, I would put myself in the situations with, by hanging with these people to only, interact with them in these situations where, you know, if they're doing a performance, I'm out in the crowd amongst the people listening and I'm not necessarily having a heart attack because obviously there's a drink in my hand. Right. Self-destructive behavior. Huh. Right.
0: So so do you do you have a problem with social anxiety? I mean this is a very important question. And of course I don't have any way to diagnose it. This is just my thoughts. But I'll tell you what I think social anxiety in general is. It's being around people who are resolutely opposed to who you are. They are resolutely opposed to anything honest and true that you can say to them. If I put you in a situation and I said, Josh, you have to lie for two hours... Or I'm going to beat you up. Let's pretend I could. (laughs) Right? So you have to go into this social situation and everything that you say has to be a lie. Or I'm going to beat you up. Or everything you say has to be a lie. And if you pull that off for two or three hours, I will give you a million dollars. Right? What would Uh that be like?
2: Well... I, I mean, I think, obviously, not being in the situation, it would be better to hear that there's a reward for being dishonest other than a threat of violence for not being dishonest.
0: Right. Huh. But how would that be for you to be in that situation where you had to lie, everything that you said had to be a lie?
2: I I I can't, I, I don't do that. Like, I've, I, I just don't i try my best to no 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 give me
0: the theory give me the theory we'll get to the practice in a sec but what would that be like for you if you had to lie for two or three hours straight
2: what would that be like for me Uh, pretty pretty unbearable it would be it would be be very
0: stressful right yes now, would you say if I gave that someone and they and and I said, give you know, I'll give you a million bucks, or I'll beat up your dog if 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 you tell a lie, if you tell everything you say is a lie for the next two or three hours, and they came out of that and they said, man, that was uncomfortable, would we say, well, you have a disorder?
2: No. Why? Because you know it's like because if you if they know, I mean, you're know wrong to not tell the truth or if you're not a sociopath you know you know that it's wrong to be dishonest and I, well it's hard uh, yeah it's yeah it's difficult it's straining on your it's mind but it's hard and it's right
0: okay so yeah. so what i'm sort of trying to point out here is so let's just take the little example of your friends who call you a heathen because you're an atheist right
2: mm-hmm.
0: well what do you feel how do you feel about that
2: how do I feel when they call me a heathen? Yeah, when I they mean, sort of make jokes about atheism and all that, right? I I think that you know any any differences that people have, if you can have a conversation about it and not insult the other person, oh, then Josh. you know there could be acceptance.
0: Oh, but, but Josh. I don't think
2: that they accept it. What was that?
0: Oh, Josh, <laughs> what was my question? <laughs> do you remember?
2: Question: I see. It. What do I do when they call me a heathen?
0: Yeah. Did you give uh, me any feelings there? No, I did not. No, you did not. Articles. You gave me a bunch of. <laughs> you gave me a fortune cookie of uh, pseudo acceptance. Okay. What do you feel when I they call you heathen and make fun of your?
2: Dis- disrespected.
0: That's sort of a judgment, not a feeling.
2: Uh. I guess. It, it kind of makes me angry at them because yeah, obviously it's my belief for lack thereof. And I don't say anything negative about their stuff, but they can't show me the same respect. You know?
0: Well, you could say something negative about their stuff, which is, you know, stop making snarky little bullshit jokes. Your pussies about something that's very important to me. I'm not doing it to you. So grow up.
2: I've said that before to, uh, and then what happens? Uh, they, it's the testosterone-driven BS where they'll try to they'll further the insult because I reacted to the insult by not playing their game.
0: <laughs> so they they escalate, right? They double down. Yeah, exactly. Oh, who's Mister Sensitive? We can't make a little joke, blah blah blah, right? Exactly. Yeah. All right.
2: It's pretty annoying. Okay. Um
0: Yeah. All right, so you can't be honest about your experience just at this one particular incident, and I'm sure there's lots of them, right?
2: All the time, yeah.
0: Okay, so if you are in a situation where you can't be honest, then it's anxiety provoking, right?
2: Yeah, I'm definitely starting to see.
0: Right, so see if the if I'm trying to break out, if I'm you know. I come from a Jewish background. I'm trying to break out of Nazi Germany. And I've got to lie to the border guard to get across. Right. I've, is someone going to say, wow, that Steph guy who's trying to get out of Germany, who's lying to the border guard, he's really got social anxiety. He's got some internal dysfunction because he's really tense and and, and scared, it seems, trying to get out of Nazi Germany. We should
2: medicate him. <laughs> right? Oh yeah. I've I've had to do the medication thing when I was a kid. But that's what like there's no context,
0: right? There's no yeah. context. So absolutely. You have to keep a secret about the atheism, you have to keep a secret about your history, you have to keep a secret about your trauma, you have to keep a secret about your emotions and your thoughts. You're hiding yourself at all times And then we call that social anxiety disorder. No, it's asshole proximity disorder. (laughs) Well put.
2: Right?
0: Yeah.
2: I thought I I had a problem.
0: It turns out I was just surrounded by assholes. And once I got rid of the assholes, (laughs) hey, look, my problem is all solved, right?
2: Definitely. Yeah, I'm that i didn't I didn't actually think of it like that before,
0: so you need to have people in your life that you can be honest with, and there are two kinds of people in the world: those who are traumatized and those who reject those who are traumatized right and and the the second consider themselves very good people,
2: yeah, definitely know that so.
0: I think that's really important you just got if you want to get rid of what you call this disorder I mean then you have to surround yourself with safe people you know if if I keep lions if I keep hungry lions in my bedroom it's hard for me to say that I have some mysterious insomnia disorder right it's like I don't yeah. want to get fucking eat right <laughs> in my sleep so I could ah, stay awake but ah, right Definitely. and it is look it's 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 horrifying To me, um, the degree to which supposedly healthy people from supposedly decent backgrounds have zero fucking empathy for the victims of child abuse. Uh, It it is the great, horrifying, horrifying disorder of the world. And let me tell you something. (laughs) Let me tell you something, Josh. Mm
3: hmm.
0: The indifference of the supposedly healthy people to the victims of child abuse, their discomfort when somebody says, I had a bad childhood. Do you know that is fundamentally what allows abusers to hurt their children? What you, what you face as an adult when you start talking about your victimized childhood You know, I don't have anyone around in my life who was around when I was a kid or a teenager in my early 20s. Like, not one person is still around. Because when I started in my teens and early 20s in particular, really working on self-knowledge, and then in, in real particular when I got into therapy, well, I needed to talk about stuff with friends, right? This was important stuff I was going through. And they were actually witnesses to my history. They knew what it was like for me to some degree or another, to, to whatever degree. Mm-hmm. And to a single soul, to an absolute cold-hearted, brain-fuckery, every single one of those people didn't want to hear about it. Not one single person had yeah. any even remote level of comfort listening to me talk about the stuff that I was dealing with or had dealt with for many years. Right, the violence, the fear, the hunger, the poverty, the, you know all of the stuff that occurred. The little slice of G- the German war zone that took residence at Don Mills and Lawrence. And they, not one of them, not one of them felt any comfort. In fact, they all were acutely uncomfortable. Because people who were raised in more functional households, they make this ter- terrible mistake uh, the the mistake they make is uh, well I guess I'm just a strong and healthy person. It's like, well, yeah, because you weren't getting beaten up every day. You know, they're getting beaten up every day, kinda has something to do with it. Right? So they, they they think that they're just strong and healthy and and fine and so on, right? But to me it's like, okay, well if you're so strong and healthy and fine, then where's your compassion for people less fortunate than yourself? Where's your compassion to people less fortunate than yourself? You know, it's like the people born on third base who think they hit a home run, right? And that is uh, that is the great horror of the world, in my experience, because there's, there's two layers to that horror. The first layer is that if you're wounded and you ask for help, people will literally spit on you you know you say hey you know i just found out i've got this giant serrated knife in my side and what do people do did they get you an ice pack did they call the ambulance did they get you some advil (laughs) no they fucking lean down they take that serrated knife and they turn it right because you say I was isolated and I was rejected by my parents. Hey, hey, don't talk to me about that stuff. Let me isolate and reject you some fucking more. Because I know that is the worst thing that happened to you as a child. Let me help your parents in their historical, rusty, twisted knife scenario by putting just another fucking turn in it. Right? I felt alienated. I felt isolated. I felt abused. Hey, hey, don't tell me that shit. That interferes with my vanity of accidental good family. Right, So it literally is the people see that you've broken your leg and they fucking lean their knees into the fragments rather than help you. And that's what the abusers rely on. It is the general rejection of the rejected in society that the abusers rely on that they can count as certain as fucking gravity in pursuing their unholy treatment of their children. They know that people are going to veer away from child abuse. Mm -hmm. And that's how they can get away with it. And that's so when you so how could my mother get away with it? How could my mother get away with it? How could my mother get away with it? I found out in my 20s and 30s when I began to talk about this stuff with my friends, and they were like, whoa, whoa, hey, you know, right? Like you, you can you can get them to talk about it a little bit, but it's like it's like holding a ferret underwater, right? <laughs> it's down there for a, a, a thirty seconds, but it's cloying and biting the whole time, right? And as soon as you let it go, yeah. off it goes, right? Yeah. And then I I realized, well, this is how my mom can get away with it, because nobody wants to look at child abuse. Nobody wants to look at child abuse.
2: Yeah, they're pretty much. Um... Pretty much just staying in their own comfort zone of not wanting to hear about your negative things so they can continue the their little happy thing they got going for them rather than deal with actual issues.
0: Yeah, and because so many kids are being hurt and abused, they'd actually have to fucking do something rather than watch the game and eat some fucking beer nuts, right? So, yeah, I mean, everybody wants to be a, you know, let's go watch Superman. He's a hero. It's like, well, you could be a hero. You can go and help some victims of child abuse. No! <laughs> Not enough CGI. Sorry, I don't have the abs for that kind of heroism. You don't need any abs. You just, need, you know what I mean, right? Yeah. Whew. And so that is that is how they they get away with it. This is how the abusers get away with it. I mean, it, it, this is uh, this is the last thing I'll say about this, but this is literally what it is like. It's like I go in with a balaclava and a gun. I go into a bank and I'm going to rob the bank, right? Well, why don't people do that? Well, because alarms go off and the cops come and you get charged and all that kind of stuff, right? There are video cameras like there's Huge amounts of social energy, economic energy poured into. Don't steal from the bank, right? At least from the outside. (laughs) Yeah. So... With regards to child abuse, this is literally what it's like. There are no cameras in the bank. You don't have to wear a mask. You don't have to have a gun. Everybody looks away and covers their eyes when you walk through. The teller hands you the money before you even get there. And then the bank manager offers to drive you anywhere you want to go. And then people say, you know, it's weird how many banks get stolen from. And society says, you know, it's weird how many children get abused. Well, guess what, fuckers? It's because of you people that we got abused. It's because you won't listen to what happened. It's because it's uncomfortable for you if we talk about what happened to us as children. You're the reason it happened. Look in the mirror. They're the effect of your indifference. The abusers are the effect of your avoidance. They are the shadow caused by your averted head. They do it because they can get away with it. And they can get away with it because you don't want to fucking hear about it.
2: It's tragic. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. That bank, the bank scenario, you just put that through is, that's exactly how, I mean, and I, and I, I got hit I by my dad, you know, so I can definitely, uh, I remember the belt, something like that. And, you know, you try, I tried to talk to a teacher about it, but there were no marks. So, okay, now I'm making up stories. Okay, cool. Well, Maybe he just has a really active imagination or something. I don't know. And then I ended up on Ritalin.
0: <laughs> yeah. And uh, fortunately, that shit wasn't around when I was a kid. Um, that horrendous stuff wasn't around. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm incredibly sorry for all of that. I mean, I, I was in my school. I smelled. You know, there's no soap in the house. I smelled. Mm-hmm. My hair was greasy. Um, my clothes had holes in them. I was hungry, I was underweight. And the teachers would be frustrated with me always because they'd say, well, if effort matched ability, you'd be an A+. plus. You have such ability. It's very strange that you don't exercise your ability more. You know, and it's like they're a bunch of swimmers and I'm the one who's got an anvil tied to his fucking nutsack in the water, mm-hmm. and I'm just trying to have my balls not get ripped off. And people are saying, you know, he just doesn't apply himself to winning the swimming race. I don't know. Maybe he's just lazy, or maybe he's just inattentive, or maybe he's entitled, or he just doesn't seem to put the effort in. And it's like, fuck you. Fuck you all and exactly. the horse you rode it on. This world has to burn the way it is. It just must. It just must. There is almost nothing that should be left standing when
2: the world changes, I'm just trying to. Yeah, I mean, I, on a point that you just said a second ago about uh, you were hungry and everything, and you know you're skinny, underfed. I just uh, we were looking at pictures at my sister's uh, wedding, and we realized that uh, the three of us were substantially shorter than like all of our cousins. By like, I was, we were like, me and my brother were like a foot shorter than the guys. And my sister was like six, seven inches shorter than the chicks. And yeah, we think that was malnutrition. Sorry. I just, I just, when you said that, I thought of that right away. So.
0: Right. I mean, and that's, that's like a, a permanent thing, right? I mean, that's the way it is. That's how it's going to stay. And um, yeah, the amount of self-satisfied smug pricks who blamed me for struggling to survive in a cage of predators that they fucking locked from the outside is the planet and was the planet for me for many years and is still so much of the planet now. And everybody pins heroes on soldiers who shoot on command and then turns away from people who are actually attempting to heal the world by talking about their trauma. These motherfuckers will re-traumatize children, adult children of child abuse. They will re-traumatize those people by recoiling and rejecting the victims of abuse who are trying to heal themselves through making a connection. And they step into the role of abusers and re-inflict the abuse on people who are trying to heal. This is how fucking predatory and nasty so much of the world is. And this is the horror that you see when you speak about your history to the world as a whole. You know, I've been doing this show for seven or eight years.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Do you think anyone from my past has ever written to me and said, wow, I didn't know, Oh gosh, you know, whatever, right? No no uh, yeah, I, I might as well is. like be talking to myself with no mic attached to anything right There, there is this constant need that when somebody shows vulnerability you fuck them up as much as possible this is just the way that human nature has evolved as as it is now and look I get you know, oh well these people had difficulties in their head. it's like yeah but there's the values right there's the values that people say sympathy for the victim you know the woman who's, who's a victim of rape, right? Well, she can't have done anything to have brought it on herself. No slut shaming. Fine. That's a great idea. But the idea that somebody would say, a woman would say, or a man would say, I was raped. And people would say, ooh, that makes you shoddy. That makes you dirty. That means that you are damaged goods. Do you you know how horrifying that would be and and what a recoil in society that would be for a woman who was raped to then recoil from her as if she were damaged goods and that you just didn't want to hear about it because it soiled the interaction? That she was dirty and she was stained by being victimized? But this is what the victims of child abuse live with every day. The recoiling from society, the, ooh, you know, ooh, I don't want to talk about that. That's uncomfortable. Oh, I don't like that. This is not right. This is bad. Well, that's guilt because everyone knows a child who was abused. Almost everyone knows a child who was abused. And these fuckers did nothing about it. And then they get uncomfortable because it's their bad conscience that is being pricked. Well, fuck you and your conscience. I'm here. I'm a prick. And I'm going to do it. Sorry if it makes you feel bad. It's either you or me, fuckers. I'm
2: just trying to think back on... Uh, yeah, I'm uh
0: No, when a great I'm wrong has realist. been done in the world, someone gets to feel bad. Someone gets to feel bad, right? And the great wrongs that have been done, why are people calling into this show like you? Because... Who else is going to listen and really get it? Who else is going to say, yeah, tell me more, and I'm so sorry, and I get it, and I, I empathize, and right? Yeah. And who is, uh, I mean, who, who else is not going to say bullshit, well, they did the best they could in the knowledge they had. Yeah. I'm sure they meant well. Yeah, I, I've heard that, too. You know, I was right. Well, I'm sure he meant well. I was raped. Well, I'm sure that your rapist was doing the best he could, but the knowledge he had. So you should sympathize with his bad childhood and marry him. Imagine saying that to a rape victim. It's like, my mom was a horrible person who beat me up, screamed at me, was lividly insane in my face every day. And people are like, well, she was doing the best she could, but the knowledge she had, I'm sure she meant, well, you really should go and see her on Mother's Day. Really? Really? And that's what you say to the victims of all other kinds of abuse. My husband beat me up every day for 20 years. Well, okay, but it is your anniversary coming up, so you be sure to buy him something nice. And you go out to a nice meal with him, because he's going to be with you for the rest of your life. You can never get divorced, you see, because he's your husband. I didn't choose him. He was assigned to me by the village elders. Well... That's just a challenge that'll make you stronger in the overcoming of. Maybe you chose him in a past life. Oh, my fucking God. Oh, my fucking God. You clusterfuck of brain-numbing, heart-rending assholes. How many victims of multi-year abuse are told to go back, forgive, and bond with their abusers? Hey, I know you were in a concentration camp, but you really should go and become best buds with that Nazi. Because he was doing the best he could with the knowledge he had, and I'm sure he meant well. And it's International Nazi Day tomorrow, so you be sure to pick him up a nice fucking Glock, okay? Make him feel good. He's getting old. Wow. Bullshit, 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 Ah, fucking child-rending bullshit. Everyone who chooses a relationship gets to be victimized. We who never chose our parents in any way, shape, or form, we must continually be victimized by saying, you got to go back for more, always, no matter what no matter if they don't change, no matter if they escalate, no matter if they continue to verbally abuse you, no matter if they continue to threaten you, you've got to go back because I did nothing. The whole time you were victimized and I don't want to feel bad, so you go back. You stuff your fucking future into the cracks of my bad conscience because I don't want to feel bad, so you've got to get your whole fucking life ruined so I don't have a twinge of conscience, so go back because I don't want to feel bad. I didn't save you from the rape, so you go marry your fucking rapist and I'll call it love. That's the world that we live in and that's the horror that you see when you talk about your history with people. And the only thing more repellent than the abusers is the enablers, which is just about everybody else. Yeah, And they know that. The abusers know that. That's why they can do what they do. The bank robbers know there's no security cameras. They know everyone's going to look away. They know the teller's going to hand over the money. And the bank manager's going to drive them to Florida. That's why they steal. They know. And this is why abusers can do what they do. Because they know everyone's going to say, you were raped, go marry your rapist. Or you're a bad person. Because you were a child. And fuck children. That's the mantra of the world. Fuck children. Pile them with national debt. Shove them in the shitty schools. Drug them if they don't comply. Fuck children. That is the national anthem of the entire fucking planet. Fuck children. Oh, You don't want to hear that Jesus died for your sins? Fuck you. He did. Too bad. We're just going to topple that ancient fucking Jewish zombie corpse into your crib and call it a loving reunion. Oh, you don't want to feel like you were born evil just for breathing? Too bad you were. Fuck you, kids. Oh, I can't take out my frustrations on adults because they can have me thrown in jail? Fuck you, kids. I'm just going to hit you a thousand times a year. Oh, we don't want to confront unions. We don't want to confront entitled people. We don't want to face up to the fact in America that the social and economic system is so completely fucked up that one in five families has zero people working. Zero people working. We don't want to confront our fucked up system. We don't want to deal with the fact that voting is just bribery. So fuck you, kids. We're selling you off. You get born $1.4 million in debt. Too fucking bad. Fuck you. How much of society could even remotely function if the central mantra of the planet was not fuck the kids at every opportunity from all angles and in every conceivable way? Oh, we don't want to take on the teachers' unions. We don't want to take on property taxes. We don't want to take on shitty schools. Fuck you, kids. You got to go and we'll call, we'll call it the illusion of an education. We don't want to deal with the fact that there's school bullying. So fuck you, kids. We're going to force every goddamn asshole kid into the same cage at all times. And we're going to have really fucked up families. And we're going to pay kids to, seri- to pay moms to serially have kids with unworthy sperm donors. You get to grow up without dads in shitty neighborhoods, with shitty unmotivated teachers in schools designed and run by prisons by prison, people who design and run prisons with with metal detectors so that you don't get stabbed. And we're going to drug half the kids with drugs that the FDA puts a black box warning on to say this makes people fucking homicidal. We're going to cage all these kids up together, pump them full of drugs that make them murderous, and then do you know what we're going to do? We're going to say to kids, you should have an anti-bullying campaign. Like, where's the anti-rape PSAs for prisons? You guys should just get together and not rape. Be strong. Wear a bracelet. It's insane. I mean, it's so fucking mental. It's so mental, but who can talk about this? Uh, Could culture survive? Could religion survive? Could statism survive? Could what we call the world as it stands even remotely survive? if we drop the mantra of screw kids and we actually designed our lives around what children need and deserve science is pretty clear. Breastfeed them, kiss them, love them, educate them, hug them, negotiate with them. Don't raise your voice. Don't yell at them. That's just for the listeners. (laughs) Be nice to them. Hey, look, it's paradise. (laughs) All of a sudden, if we actually did what science has been saying very clearly for a half decade, what needs to be done for children, if we just said, okay, well, let's do, you know, if we actually live by our fucking values, we all say children, the future, children, everything. What if we just said, hey, let's do what's good for children. Let's try that shit on for size, Instead of burying them debt shoving them in shitty schools, uh, hitting them, yelling at them, uh, indoctrinating them with with religion and statism and patriotism and military worship and, and shit like that. What if we just did what was right for children according to science? Oh, well, we can't do any of that because the whole fucking world is fuck children and I don't want to live in a world that looks alien to me and if there's no fuck children in the world, I don't even know what planet I'm on. And I don't want to go off world, go to Mars... We already live on the planet of war. We already live on the red planet and it's the war is against children. And all the other wars are just the shadow of the war on children. Anyway, that's my, um, my thoughts about your supposed social anxiety. I think you should have more. (laughs) And It's not a disorder. It's not a disorder. It's a recognition. It's not, it is a clear eyed view unconsciously of where the world is.
2: See, I've never thought of it like that. Now, (sighs) you are ringed by weapons
0: economic weapons, educational weapons, propaganda weapons. You are ringed by weapons. Fucking 9,000 lasers on your body, and people say, well, he seems to have an anxiety disorder. Hey. I tell you what, put the fucking guns down. Stop selling the children off to foreign banksters and stuffing them in sociopathic-run schools. How about we stop pointing guns at children, and then we'll see how many fucking disorders they have that need to be medicated. Oh, I've got a good idea. Why don't you stop scaring the living shit out of children with global warming? That might be nice. Let's say it's real. It's not something children should deal with. I've got a great fucking idea. Stop telling children it's almost the fucking end of the world which they can't do anything about because even the adults can't do anything about it or aren't. There's psychiatrists who are saying that they've never seen anxiety disorders this high in children and one of the major causes of anxiety disorders in children is global warming terror porn. Stop telling children it's the end of the fucking world. That they're going to burst into flames and die And all the butterflies are going to fall at their feet in flames. But fuck kids. We've got a political agenda. We need to sell some fucking carbon credits. So David Suzuki, inhale all of the fiery propaganda you can imagine and breathe like fucking smog on the hopes and hearts of children. Burn, babies, burn. We want power. So yeah, social anxiety disorder. I can see that.
2: <laughs> yeah, I'm trying. Uh, I'm trying to think. Yeah, okay. I'm finally gonna take your advice. I'm going to get in contact with that therapist as soon as possible. <laughs> and you can say,
0: you know, this guy who talked about not yelling at people was yelling at me. <laughs> <laughs> for like an hour, so I think I need some therapy. No, I, I think that's I think that's a good idea. I just hope the therapist uh, gets a little bit about what we're talking about. But uh, you know, there's nothing wrong with helping your therapist understand stuff too, right?
2: Yeah, should be a conversation, anyways, right?
0: Yeah. All right. Thank you for a, a great uh, set of questions, and I really, really want to tell you that uh, I am so incredibly sorry for the death brinksmanship that you lived with as a child, particularly when you were younger. I'm happy your mom stopped drinking. I, you know, I think that's great. I'm sorry that she chose such a cosmic asshole for, to be your father. But um, I am, I am incredibly sorry for what happened to you as a child.
2: I appreciate that. And thank you for having me on. This actually helped a lot.
0: (laughs) This actually helped a lot, he says with a vague note of surprise. No, I appreciate that.
1: Angel writes in and wants to ask: Is the rise in popularity of video games and other forms of entertainment a sign of growing isolation in our culture? Huh.
0: Interesting, Angel. Are you there?
4: Yes, hello. And uh, first, I want to thank you very much for the tyranny of illusion. Amazing,
0: amazing book. Oh, which one? Um, the tyranny of illusion. Oh, untruth. Well, thank you, thank you very much. Not bad for three days. Um, so do you play video games yourself um
4: yes, I do, and I know games like video games usually um, World of warcraft MMO um, and usually which involves interaction with other people that's my what I'm searching for because games uh, okay. search to um, fill some gaps in uh, the social interaction or To be like independent or something like that. With each of us has a problem.
0: Yeah, no, it's. I was sort of trying to explain this to my daughter uh, because um, we're working on her reading. Like I want to get her to read in the window, right, in the reading window, which is sort of like four, four and a half to six, six and a half. Uh, You know, if you get it in there, it's pretty easy. It's like the language window from like eighteen months to three and a half. So I wanted to get in the window, and she's basically like, "Well, why should I read?" And and it's a it's a fair question. I mean, and I sort of tried to explain to her that. She said, "Well, when did you learn to read?" And I said, "Well, I learned to read when I was. I remember learning how to read when I was about three, three and a half. Um, I remember being very confused by the word r a r e because there's an r right in the middle, but you pronounce it r. But there's an a and an e, and I'm just like, who the hell invented this? This had to be some sort of government program." And uh, actually, I didn't say that at the age age of three and a half. Uh, That was four. So uh, I was sort of trying to explain to her that I learned to read pretty early because I was so bored. Right. I mean, because when I was a kid, you know, there was we had in England. I don't remember any cartoons at all. I'm sure there were a few in Canada. There were some more cartoons. There was sort of Sunday afternoons at five o'clock. There was like a Looney Tunes hour. But they were all cartoons you'd seen before, so they only had a certain amount of cachet to them, I suppose. And it was really boring. No, no TV, no tablets, no computers, uh, no cell phones, uh, all that kind of stuff. No virtual reality. We kind of had the, the 3D, which involved actual 3D, not simulated 3D. And so I learned to read because I was so bored. Now, boredom is kind of hard to come by these days. I read the study the other day. So the average parent then spends 11 hours a day on their cell phone. Maybe they feel like a chicken. It's going to hatch into another cell phone. I don't know, but that's a whole lot of squatting on uh, a digital piece of toast. And so for, for my daughter, she's got access to a sort of dizzying array of uh, electronics. And so for her to learn how to read, it's not like, for me, learning how to read was like breaking out of prison. Like, you you just keep chiseling away through Rita Hayworth's uh, two-dimensional image until you break free. And the amount of digital entertainment that is available, right? At, at I remember when I first, I I, I have Netflix, and, and I remember first when I first ordered it, I'm like, I was watching some Netflix on a computer attached to a TV. I got kind of tired. I went upstairs. And I watched a little bit more on um uh, an iPod Touch. And it's just, like, weird, you know, because it used to be so much work to load up. I used to have a Creative Zen Vision M, which I used to load up with with movies. And that might just took forever. to Convert things like crazy, you know, it just took forever. Load them up. So the amount of digital entertainment that is available is just astonishing. And we really haven't even touched that much on video games, which are specifically designed, at least the best ones, to be like crack pellets, you know, like... Uh, <laughs> Here, here's another little reward. Ooh, just over the hill. There's that next reward. Ooh, there's another reward. And and when you have the social aspect, like you're part of a guild or a group, or a clan. I'm sorry. The infamous achievements. Yeah, I mean, especially if, and when you socialize it and so on. Now, when I was uh, in my teens, early to mid-teens, uh, I played um, uh, Dungeons and Dragons, which I found to be just a fantastic game. And what what a great Uh, Amalgam of of gambling and storytelling and imagination and socializing and all that. Now, it is true that a lot of entertainments are anti-philosophical. Not all and not at all times, right? Um, It's sort of like candy is anti-health. I mean, unless you just have one once in a while, a piece of candy once in a while. And I found that, I mean, I sort of think back on my teenage years, and it's a little bit heartbreaking the degree to which my friends and I spent thousands of hours playing Dungeons and Dragons and not talking about important issues that matter to our lives. And again, I'm not saying, you know, I I, I watch movies, I watch TV, I used to play video games. And the only video games play I play now is when I'm on the bike machine, uh, I'll play... Um, a, uh, like tower defense games or something that just distracts me from how unbelievably boring being on a bike machine really is. But um, there is a, a, it's a way of structuring your interactions with people or even interactions with yourself that preclude exploration of ideas with other people. But ideas have become so volatile with people let me just try bringing up something like abortion or, or death penalty or, uh, you know, that sort of left versus right paradigm. It's really brutal. Uh, and so as uh, our uh, thoughts have, as our perspectives and ideologies have multiplied, like we're not just one tribe who all believes the same thing anymore, as our perspectives and ideologies have multiplied and our philosophy or what's left of it has diminished, we have these unbridgeable gaps between us. And one of the ways that we fill those gaps in and pretend that they're not there is through through entertainment. So I think that it certainly can be addictive and it can be difficult and it can be dangerous. But part of me also says that anything which competes with one-on-one interaction is not a bad thing because it means that one-on-one interaction has to improve to compete with it, if that makes any sense. So... I mean, I recognize that in talking particularly to younger people, I'm competing with all the known digital brain sex massage electrons in the known and unknown universe. And I need to compete with that. So it causes me to up my game to know that I'm competing with all of that stuff. So, uh, so yeah, I think video games are fun. I think that they can displace other people. And they certainly can make you feel like you're achieving something when you're not. You
4: something, know, like,
0: like uh, yeah, go ahead. something like an attempt to self-medicate, like with drugs. Yeah, but it's like. it's it's kind of like in religion, right? So so in religion, you're given these goals, right? Uh, say these Hail Marys, achieve this particular state of grace, or achieve this particular um, inner, inner state uh, based on meditation or based on prayer. And so you're in someone else's structure, and you're a- attempting to achieve things to pick up pieces of kibble and bread in the woods of somebody else's construction. And that, I find, to be quite a dangerous thing. Um, it, it, video games are essentially—I mean, you can build stuff, and I'm, I'm talking about the majority of people, or not the level designers and so on. But even then, they're usually working within a structure like the Unreal 3 engine or something, or the Crysis Engine, Crytek engine. Anyway. So pursuing achievements in somebody else's mind space is not self-actualized behavior. You want to create your own goals and your own achievements based upon your own values and based upon philosophical values. So in school, you know, we're following the kibbles of, well, you've got to pass this, you've got to get this grade, you've got to pass this test, you've got to achieve X, Y, and Z, and then you move on to the next quote level. It's the same thing in religion, it's the same thing in most spiritual activities, uh, it's the same thing in, in cults, another thing where other people give you the next step and then you just you work to achieve that or, or you succeed or fail based upon other people's judgment. And the same thing is true of video games in that it reinforces our desire to achieve goals set by others, if that makes any sense. And I think it can leave people feeling a little less powerful in their own lives, if that makes sense.
4: I understand you perfectly. What do you think? I think, um, well, I think, I think. Uh, right now, I'm thinking more about the social value when uh, more people work to achieve the same goal. And uh, hmm.
0: well, okay, but you, you're using the word social there, right? And what does that mean for you? For me, it means interaction with others, um, talking, working to achieve a goal set by others. Yes. Right. I mean, you know, cover that ridge, I'll throw a grenade, you go get that goblin, Um, you know, do you have any healing potions, that kind of stuff, right? That's not what people would normally mean by socializing. I mean, you wouldn't say that a bunch of soldiers attempting to take the northeast corner of Fallujah are socializing when they're chatting with each other or yelling at each other about their objectives and needs. Yes. Socializing to me is a bit more... Uh, you know, this is what I'm thinking about, these are my thoughts and feelings, these are my ideas, what do you think? It's a bit more open-ended, and of course, when you're playing a video game and when you're in a church, the call and answer, the structure of interactions are very predefined. And a lot of these structures have to do with helping people manage their social anxiety. People People are very afraid in general of unstructured social situations, right? You go into a room, you don't know what people are gonna say, or even if it's people that you know, if somebody brings up a topic that is unfamiliar, off the beaten path, original, people get very anxious. There's this, This freight train of anxiety just charges like a whipping Tyrannosaurus tail through their hearts. And so we are hungry for structure. Because to communicate to another human being as an individual with your own thoughts is a huge risk for most people. Uh, The risk of rejection, the risk of not having anything to say. Like when I was in Amsterdam, I was talking with this uh, very bright young woman. Well, they were all very bright. (laughs) I was talking with this young woman uh, and she was asking me about my master's thesis. And there was another woman who was sitting there listening to the talk. And I, I won't get into the details, but I talked about my master's thesis, and the other woman said, oh, that makes sense. And I said, oh, in what way does it make sense to you? Right? And I wasn't trying to challenge her, and she's just like, uh, and then she just, <laughs> it, it just makes sense. And she just got kind of tense, and then she wandered off, right? So, I mean, she was obviously launching a particularly steaming pile of bullshit in my direction. But that's a, a great deal of anxiety that people have when you don't know what the other person is, is going to say, Uh, When you don't know, when it's not part of a train track, but you're kind of an open world. Um, I think they call it open world in video games when you can go and do anything. You're not just going through those doom corridors to the next gate portal or something. And people are really terrified of unstructured social interactions, which is why whenever you get together with, with people, they say, let's get together and do X. You know, we're going to watch the game. Uh, we're going to play Frisbee golf. Uh, we're going to go um, uh, golfing. We are going to um, uh, play Scrabble or Monopoly. We're going to have a dinner party. Uh, dinner party's a little loosey, more loosey-goosey. But generally, you can't just say, let's get together and say, and we'll do what? I don't know. Just be. Right? Just, just be with each other. I right? don't have to have plans when you're self-actualized because you don't need a next thing. You can just be where you are. It's that human being rather than human doing. But people are very scared of unstructured social interactions. Um, And that's why there's this great desire for social interactions in particular parameters that are defined by other people. Because I assume that when you're playing World of Warcraft, you don't feel anxious about what to say next, right? No, not at all. Whereas how do you feel if you're just going to meet with a group of people in a coffee shop with no particular goal or, or topic? Well, it would be only chit chat. If there is
4: a subject I can talk about, I would, but not usually bring something up.
0: Right. Right. So, and, and the reason for that, uh, the reason that most people are anxious of social interactions is, you know, it's, it's absolutely terrifying when you think about it, how little conversation there is in, in families growing up. You know, how, how little time there is to just sit and chat about whatever you like. I mean, I was saying to my daughter yesterday, I said, I love being at home with you, but I also love it when we go for a drive to go somewhere because we're in the car and we're just going to chat. And those, you know, that's what I live for as a parent is those times where I'm just having, and, and as a husband and as a friend, as a human being, what I live for is those times where you have just that unrelaxed hour or two or five where you can just chat. Like when I was in Amsterdam, we sat down, we basically talked from about 12.30 in the afternoon until 11 o'clock at night. Uh, everybody was just talking about what was on their mind. We had no structure. We had no agenda. We had no time frame. And uh, that, to me, that's everything else is just, you know, I go to the grocery store so that I can eat, so I could sit down and have a conversation. You know, I take a crap so I can wipe myself and go and have a great, and wash my hands and then go have a great conversation. Like, to me, that is the whole point. But it used to drive me nuts in my family we just sort of wander around these tiny little revolving doors of the same topics over and over and over again and nobody ever talked about any damn thing in particular and anytime anything of any importance came up everyone got tense and volatile and it usually ended in a conflict and i just i find that stuff terrifying so so yeah I, i think that video games um they do serve people's needs for very structured interactions where you, you go, and you know how to dress, and you know what you're going to be talking about. Well, yeah, when you go to church, you know how to dress, you know what the ceremony is going to be, you know what people are going to talk about. Uh, you know, It's very prescribed areas of conversation, even confessionals uh, for Catholics and so on. Uh, political, um, when you go to a political meeting or whatever, you know what you're going to talk about. It's all very structured. And I think if we could find ways to let go of that structure, we would have a lot more connection as uh, as human beings but i think that's that's hard for people to do right
4: yes it is sometimes but uh, this also could represent a subject for connection or making new connections like when are all those uh, gaming uh, conventions uh, let's say bliss comic con or uh, the dream where are championships and all those kinds of things
0: Well, but do do you? Do you make um, connections where you can talk about topics outside of those areas? Well, yeah, with my friends,
4: I usually talk about this and other things of school related. Yeah, I can make connections with other things.
0: Okay, well, good. Yeah. So, I mean, this may not then apply to you as much, but... um, you know, there's a huge amount of energy in the world and a huge amount of profit. You know, most of the profit in the world is shielding people from their insecurities and, in general, provoking more insecurities right so people have social anxieties and you can create entire structures and tribes and cultures and religions and online gaming communities and comic cons and and trekkers and Potterheads uh, and all of that and this is all so that people don't have to face the social anxiety of unstructured interactions um and it's the same thing. Um, you can make a massive amount of profit from uh, shielding people from insecurities about their bodies, or about their worth, about their looks, about uh, their hair, about their abs. Whatever. Uh, there's a huge amount of profit to be made shielding people from their insecurities, and I think that that um, video games have something to do with that. So as do Dungeons and Dragons and and uh, other, I guess, other religions that I mentioned. Is there, is, there, is there anything else you want to talk about with that? Does that sort of make sense? Yeah, um, I also wanted to ask, um,
4: how do you deal with um, emotional blackmail and uh, ignorance, mostly? Emotional blackmail, what do you mean? Well, when I mean, uh, I mean that when parents, well, they say, we raised you, we love you, we made this food for you, eat it, come eat it, now we'll be sad, we'll cry if you don't, we'll be angry, we'll be all those kinds of things. Or we don't. you don't respect us, you don't.
0: Oh, so like I said, the old joke where the Italian mother says, eat this pasta or I'll kill you. And the Jewish mother says, eat this pasta or I'll kill myself. All right. Um, I think it's just honesty. Uh, honesty is is the best way to deal with most things, you know, where there's not a direct threat to your existence or the existence of someone you love. You know, if, if, if somebody wants you to come and eat, I just say, uh, I, I don't feel like it. You know, that's, again, I'm learning a lot about assertiveness from my daughter, which is one of the reasons why I'm able to be a bit more assertive in the show. She I said, hey, would you like to have some lunch? No, I'm not hungry. Well, what am I going to do? Am I going to tell her she is hungry? Am I going to tell her she has to eat and all that? You know, I mean, we went to go and uh, look for tadpoles today. And, um, you know, I knew we were going to go into the woods on a long walk and um, I said, you know, you you should really pee before we go. And she's like, well, why? I said, well, we're going to be away from the washroom for a long time. We're going to be in the woods, and you probably don't want to pee in the woods and stuff. And she's like, oh, okay, fine. And she peed, and, and then we went off. But you have to make that case, right? And and if she just doesn't want to do something, uh, she'll say, well, I don't, I don't feel like doing that. I don't really feel like doing that. I don't really want to do this. And that's, you know, so if your parent says, you know, come over and eat the food, you say, ah, I'm not... I'm not hungry. I don't feel like it. I don't really feel like it. Now, people will generally then say, why? Why don't you feel like it? And that's, you know, and what they're trying to do is they're trying to change you, right? They're trying to reach into your brain and start changing and messing around with all the dials, right? So my daughter does this, right? So, yeah, so she says, uh, Daddy, let's play X game. And I'll say, well, I don't really feel like it. Let's see, because well, why don't you feel like it? like I say, well, I don't know. I just just doesn't really appeal to me at the moment well how come why and she wants to know the why so that she can change the reason and uh, then she can get what she wants so that's sort of seeming curiosity that basically is uh you know manipulation 101 is uh, and and it's the same thing with salespeople, right buy this printer i don't want to well why not right <laughs> you know I'm happy with my existing printer. Well, what does your existing printer do? Can it do X, Y, and Z? And then it's just so it's not curiosity because they want to know what you're thinking and feeling. It's curiosity because they want to change what you're thinking and feeling to be more in accordance with their desires and wishes. So um, I think just, just be honest. Uh, sorry, go ahead. But I prefer not to interact with them at
4: all because they're abusive. If, if they know what I like, what I prefer, they will uh, mock that and they will basically mock me and all that kind of things. I'd rather not interact with them at all. The right,
0: right. And do you not want to have a conversation with them where you say, I'm taking a break from the family?
4: I try to. They keep saying, oh, there's only family. You can't trust anyone. There's nowhere you can go. Who will take you? Who will what? I mean, they didn't prepare me for life at all.
0: Right. Oh, so they're the people who say, who is going to treat you? As well as we treat you and sort of my answer to my family was, well, God, I hope no one, <laughs> I hope no one treats me like my family of origin. Oh, wouldn't that be a great life? But I think, I think it's okay to be, to be an irreducible primary. And I, I, that's a, a weird way of putting it, but it's something that I sort of think of from time to time. So if, uh, you know, if, if you say to me, Steph, you know, come over and I say, well, I, I just don't really feel like it right now. I say, oh, how come? Right. It's like, well, I just I just don't really feel like it. I don't know why. Well, why do you think? It's like, I don't know. I just I just I don't feel like it. Sorry. I just don't feel like it at the moment. Well, is there some particular reason why I just like you can just be an irreducible primary. You don't have to explain why you do or don't want to do something right hey do you want to go and see rio 2 again i really don't well how come well it's a misogynistic film that's a misandric film uh, which uh, you know is terrible on men and blah 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 i just like i just i don't feel like seeing that movie again well how come it's like well i just don't so you can have these irreducible primary feelings that are like gravity right like <laughs> And nobody if I say uh, somebody says jump off a 10 foot wall and I say I don't really want to, people say, "Well, why?" It's like, it's gravity. I don't want to hurt myself, right? And you can be irreducible you can be an irreducible primary like gravity. Right? Come over for dinner. I don't really feel like it right now. Well, when will you feel like it? I don't know. I don't I don't know what I'm going to feel tomorrow. Right? Well, how come you don't want to come over? I I don't know. I just I just don't want to and You know, you can be inert, you can be inert and opaque. And that is a great way to be assertive, because you're just basically pushing back all the pseudo curiosity that is coming your way that basically is just around dismantling any resistance you have to what the other person wants you to do. So uh, that would be my suggestion to just consistently say it's a it's a broken record technique of, of negotiation and uh, basically you just say, no, I just, I don't really feel like it. Well, how come? I don't know. I just don't really feel like it right now. Well, when might you change your mind? Well, I don't know. I don't know why I'm going to feel tomorrow. It's just a broken record, Ray, of just saying my emotion of not wanting to do X is an irreducible primary. You know, why is there gravity? I don't know, but there sure is. Why do you feel this way? I don't know, but I do, right? And that's not exactly RTR, but it's a way of being assertive when people are trying to unpack your emotions in order to get at your levers, if that makes sense. Does that help at all?
4: Yes. I tried this technique, actually. I didn't know it was called like this, but uh, they become violent when they don't get an answer from your... They don't. I don't, conf- I don't confirm with
0: what they want and that kind of thing. Okay, so you mean they become verbally abusive? More or less. More, usually. And is this on the
4: phone? Um... No, like when we speak, or uh, what do you mean exactly?
0: Well, in in what circumstance are they verbally abusive or, or violent, as you say? Like, are you on the phone? Are you on Skype? Are you in their house? I mean, are you on the bus? Are you parachuting together? What is happening at that point?
4: Well, my father, whenever he can find a chance to disagree with me or I disagree with him, he always gets
0: verbally um, abusive or like that. Even, sorry, I'm I mean, sorry to interrupt. I just asked you a question, but I'm, I'm quite confused. So you say you don't want to have any interactions with them. Yes. So under what circumstances are you having interactions with them? I'm, I'm just a bit confused. You know, it's like me saying, I, I never, ever want to go from pa- to Paris. Paris is the last place I ever want to go. And then I call you up and say, hey, I'm calling from Paris. Right. So yeah, if I'm... you don't want to have interactions with them, then under what circumstances can they be verbally abusive to you? under the
4: circumstances when they say they enter my room even though I tell them not to they be oh, screaming live in yes i'm 18 years old and i live
0: okay. in europe romania
4: it's not quite like america
0: I... well no i got it i got it okay right so then you don't have privacy and it's their home right yes well i don't uh, i don't know any way to maintain um emotional boundaries with abusive people while you're living with them i i've never found a way to be able to do that because you make requests you last for space and they just kind of ignore that right they just do what they want yes yeah so um if you want to have boundaries from people who are abusive uh, i think physical distance is a good place to start i don't know uh, you know if you make requests for you know don't barge into my room unannounced don't wake me up in the middle of the night don't play bagpipes at dawn and they just keep doing those things you you know if people don't listen to reasonable requests if they don't actually listen to what you want i don't know what to tell you other than that that's not going to change while you're living there it seems unlikely yes but i, I have the fear i live in
4: this kind of society, I mean, not just them, I feel like everyone around is like them, even though I know it's not possible, but in the close proximity of me is like all, it's like that. I mean, we've been to a family therapy, something like that. And I was talking to this woman and uh, she like was, yes, I understand, yes, go on, please. Like, but she wasn't feeling, I mean, she wasn't truly understanding me. And once I told her there was an incident uh, about last year, when I, I had an argue with my mother and uh, I wanted to spend some time alone and she came, uh, I was basically staying with my back on the door so she wouldn't enter and uh, she uh, sat down and began crying and then my uh, father came, I think she, she drank some something and uh, when he saw my mother crying, he saw why are you make you making your mother crying? Why are you making um, her sick because she sits on the ground? And um, basically, he began to be nervous. He ordered me to open the door, and if not, he would uh, well. My door has glasses, and he would punch uh, the glass. And uh, that's what he did. He broke the glass on top of me and my
0: mother. Gosh, that's I mean that's incredibly terrifying. I'm 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 so sorry, and I. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Therapist, she, when I said this to the
4: therapist, and she, she went something like, oh, come on, it wasn't such a weren't The shards weren't so big, they couldn't really hurt you. I mean, that was something that traumatized me, and you
0: say it wasn't a big deal. Oh, that's what the therapist said. The therapist said that you, basically you're overreacting? Something like that. Yes. Well, I tell you that's some bad fucking therapy. Yes. I'm not a therapist, <laughs> but, <laughs> but that is some bad... Therapy. I don't think a therapist is ever supposed to say, oh, you're just overreacting, it can't have been that bad. I mean, that's just... <laughs> I don't have to I be a doctor to, to know about. that you don't do a tracheotomy with a chainsaw. Uh, and I'm sorry that... that uh, I'm really sorry that was your experience. And many other
4: this. I mean, one time... And all, I, I hated that they always tried to make me like, yeah, that happened in the past, laugh about it. I mean, it, you should laugh about these things. I mean, the, um, those... Emotional traumas I went through, and I really hate them. And they tell me to laugh about them, to forget them, like they they have no moral responsibility
0: for what they've done. Right. Right. I'm I'm sorry. And you know, you know, I got to tell you, it's very strange to me. I just did an interview with um, a researcher, the guy who did the spanking study, or basically it was a study on parents yelling at their kids. It turned out to be a spanking study. And he said that, you know, sort of saying, well, why are people having such a tough time stopping spanking? And he said it's basically one of the main reasons is because parents don't evaluate what they're doing, right? I think it's called in in psychological circles, it's called the observing ego. Um, I don't know if you've ever had this situation where you're basically in some environment and some part of you looks at yourself in that environment or doing something and says, what am I doing here? Like, how did I end up in this situation? What am I doing here? Maybe that's the beginning of the end of destructive addictions or whatever, right? But um, I remember that happened in some relationship or other years ago and I basically just... Looked in the mirror and like, what am I doing here? I mean, this is this is not this is not the place to be. What am I doing here? And it happened once or twice in the business world as well. It's sort of an observing ego where you say, Is what I'm doing working? Is it you know, the the goals that I want to have in my life, are they being achieved? And one of the reasons that spanking and, and this kind of aggression and abuse continues is because parents a lot of parents, they don't seem to have this observing ego. Like, if I was a dad and it had gotten to the point where I was threatening to punch through the glass of my son's door, I think, I'm pretty sure, part of me would look at that and say, dude, not right, not the way. Uh, There's a Chekhov play called The Seagull, where well, this young man Constantine is is verbally abusive, and this older man, who's a doctor, who's kind of gentle, who was played by um, Rick Roberts, who was the, definitely the best actor in my class, and he said uh, he said when he's the, the Constantine, the young artist was was yelling at this woman, uh, he said, "Not right, not the way." And that was just five words, and I remember watch, I watched that every night, and it was like the way he delivered it was a great actor, still is, I guess, and. This observing ego, this like, okay, I'm spanking my children. Is it working? Is it achieving? Like, this is, but they're just like robots, literally, like hitting robots, bam, 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 yelling, abuse, uh, threats, uh, p- punching, hitting, spanking. I mean, and it's like, is it actually achieving what you want? Is this why you had children? Are you getting what you want? Is it working? I mean. Spanking doesn 't work, verbal abuse doesn't work, threats don't work. they will gain you immediate compliance, but the studies are very clear that within ten minutes within ten minutes, children are back to misbehaving it doesn't work. I mean the, the average spanker in his study was spanking a th- almost a thousand times a year, and they do this I- into the early teens you know I can't really identify with thousands and thousands and thousands of hits. And not one goddamn time did these parents ever say to themselves, hey, is this working? It's, it's completely bizarre. It's completely bizarre to not have this observing ego. I don't know if it's a function of intelligence. I don't know if it's a function of self-knowledge. I don't know if it's a function of, of empathy. Because you're kind of empathizing with yourself. Like you're looking at yourself like you were somebody else and saying, is this who I want to be? so uh, i just wanted to point i mean i'm so sorry that your parents are like yelling manipulating threatening punching threatening to punch holes through walls and stuff and there's no part of them that appears you know peels out and and orbits themselves and saying hey is this shit working you know is this are we getting what we want does this does this actually work at all for Um, them yes because they are getting
4: more more. actions they are they are I'm convincing sorry? themselves, they are convincing themselves. They are doing something moral. They are doing the right thing. That's that's. And I, I, tr- I tried to explain um, your, I mean, the values you present of morality and this to them. They don't get it. They, it's simply their brain is not wired that way. The, would the best thing be
0: to get away from them? Well, I, I can't tell you that. I mean, I, I, you know, I've just met you, but I, I can certainly say this. So we're talking about people who are looking at something and, and not saying, is it working? Is it not? Is it achieving what I want? Now, if what you're doing, and, and this is, I, I don't mean, you, you, look, everybody who listens to this show has at least an IQ of 120. I mean, at least, I, I would probably argue even higher. So I always assume that my listeners are very uh, intelligent. Um with the exception of the occasional girlfriend who seems to show up on the show. But um, I assume that my listeners are very intelligent. So the fact that I need to tell this to you, I apologize for in advance because it's going to make you sound less intelligent than you are. So, but, but you know how we're saying, well, why don't parents notice that what they're doing isn't working and change their behavior? You know, most people, I'll tell you what, <laughs> you can't see the video. This is what most people look like to me, right? I'm standing in this new studio, and um, it, it, you know, imagine so there's a door three feet to the left, and people are just walking into the wall over and over and over again. They're just walking into the wall. They're reaching out like this. There's going to be a door there. They just walk into the wall. They take a step back. They walk into the wall. And it doesn't fucking matter how bloody their nose get. It doesn't matter whether they're spitting out teeth. It doesn't matter whether they have black eyes. It doesn't matter whether their nipples are chafing like a Boston Marathon sprinter without Band-Aids on his chest. It doesn't matter. They just keep doing the same thing. And, and I'm like screaming, there's a door, three goddamn feet to the left. Stop hurting yourself. But they are literally robots, wall-hitting robots who can't grope three feet to the left and use the door that they think is right in front of them, but which the empirical evidence of their broken nose keeps telling them is not. Now, don't ever, ever, ever be one of those broken robots. Be incredibly sensitive to the biofeedback mechanism of, is my shit working? Is the stuff I'm doing working? Is it working? Right? I mean... I used to be a gold prospector and a gold panner and a claim staker way back in the day. You didn't just walk off into the woods fully confident. No matter what. You're always checking your compass. You're, you know, this is way before GPS is you're checking your compass. You're checking your map because you wander off into the bush. I mean, you're dead in two days, right? I mean, if, if you go the wrong way. And uh, so don't ever be stuck in repetition, right? Trauma. A dysfunction, screwed upness, it replicates through a repetition which cannot see itself as repetition. Spank, spank, spank. Yell, yell, yell. Abuse, abuse, abuse. Threaten, threaten, threaten. It's a repetition that doesn't see itself as repetition. Right? You can't course correct the first time you do something. First time you swing right at a golf, and then then after that, if people see how you swing. They can say do it differently or whatever. Right? But you can't really course correct on the first instance, and trauma replicates because it's incredibly repetitive, but people do not experience the repetition. right? They, they don't have the continuity of longer, larger-term goals and comparing what they're doing with what they want. Don't be one of those people. If there is one thing that is the difference between happiness and misery in life, it is the capacity to evaluate and learn from mistakes. Your parents, I'm sorry to say, it sounds like they're doing all this tragic stuff that is repetitive and destructive and is not achieving what they want, right? Not at all. And you are saying, well, how do I get boundaries, how do I get reasonable behavior, how do I get better uh, relationships with, and so on, right? But you, I assume, have been trying for quite some time to improve relations with your parents, right? Yes. How's it working?
4: For a moment, they seem like they understand and they care, but a day after, it's back to whatever it was
0: before. And how many times has that happened?
4: well about about since I was thirteen years old, I tried to i mean I began to reason it's just logic that told me that they what were doing what they were doing was wrong and uh, most likely when from when I was fifteen years old fourteen fourteen
0: okay so they were dysfunctional i'll assume from when you were from when you can remember but for the last four or five years you've been trying to improve things and there's these brief flashes of change and then Right, they just pop right back to you.
4: and also another, the, same, the worst right? the worst thing that could, they could have done for me so um when we finish when we feel excuse me when we feel, when we when we finish school, we like uh, get an exam to determine at what high school we go we can choose uh, where we want to go, but we need to have the grade and stuff like that so there was a I was interested in uh, mathematics and informatics basically. And uh, I went to such a, a high school that had uh, this profile and it wasn't the best one. It wasn't the glory of the town, something like that. And uh, I met there people with which I was able to bond like like a true family. I was able to understand them, true friends. And um, when I was in my in the second year of high school, my other uh, middle of the year my parents decided to transfer me for, to another sc- high school to the one better the better one which they all went and in there in the class they transfer me i have absolutely no friends no one i was able to stay in my uh, at my desk the whole day and no one would uh, say anything to me the whole day and i don't know it was like cutting an arm basically i lost the empathy with others the sympathy the interaction the friends the the goddamn life, I lost. That, that really closed the relationship between me and them. I told them I don't want to. I,
0: I don't know what to say about this. Right, so it's not working. Whatever you're doing, the therapy, it's not working to improve the relationship, right? So be aware when something isn't working, right? Right be aware when something is working, and change your behavior. You know, I mean, when you get into philosophy, what is generally revealed is that determinism is true for everyone who's not a philosopher. It doesn't just feel true. It is true. Without self-knowledge, everything is Groundhog Day. Without self-knowledge, everything is the same thing over and over again. And without self-knowledge, without self-empathy, human beings lack the capacity to stop being surprised. This is very important to understand. Without self-knowledge, without self-empathy, and empathy towards others, human beings lack the capacity to stop being surprised. Right? So, when you're in an abusive relationship... The bad behavior, uh, if you lack self-knowledge and you're in an abusive relationship, the bad behavior of the other person always comes as a shock, as a surprise. You get out of abusive relationships when you are no longer surprised by the bad behavior. All right? Oh, Bush lied. Kids died. Uh, Obama said that he was going to have the most transparent administration. Now it's the least transparent. These conservatives didn't shrink the free market. These Democrats didn't expand social freedoms. The EEC is corrupt. Fiat currency causes inflation. Ah! Right? Wisdom, the beginning of wisdom really, is when people stop being surprised by repetitive things. And they look for patterns rather than recoil emotionally. And they say, my capacity to continue to be surprised by the utterly predictable is a tattoo of immaturity on my heart. If you've had five years of a consistent kind of interaction with some people, well, how much information do you need to get a pattern? You have to change what you're doing. Anyway, I'm so sorry. We do have to get on to the next callers, but I really appreciate you uh, Are you calling in? And I'm very sorry for your situation. I certainly wish you the best. There are better people in the world. Uh, Don't assume that you're stuck in Madame Tussauds wax museum from hell without any exit or that you'll break free of it into a world full of wax people. Uh, There is a way of getting to a better place. And I'm very sorry about where you are at the moment. How can I find the way? I'm sorry. That's (laughs) another big question. I'm afraid I have to move on to another caller. We've already been 45 minutes on this call. But thank you very much for calling in. Perhaps we can reschedule. Uh, for another time. Uh, Mike, who do we have next?
1: All right. Up next is Joel. Joel writes in and says, my wife and I moved from Vancouver to Paraguay last year in order to improve our lives and enrich the home experience for our two-year-old son. I'd like to know what your thoughts are on the pros and cons of such a move for our son and ourselves. Do you think this type of move was too much of a risk, or are we teaching our son how to live by your values and make big jumps?
0: I'm already annoyed. Did he really write my values? Did, Joel, did you write my values, like Steph's values? <laughs>
5: <laughs> you um, did. No, no, no. I meant to say our values, <laughs> my values, maybe. Yeah.
0: But they're not Don't your values. No, do you, well, do you have so? my physics? Your physics? How do I, <laughs> Joel, how do I design a pl- an airplane according to your physics? <laughs> Well, okay. Let's just say
5: this: um, my values uh, are on a lot of a lot of planes, uh, very similar to a lot of your values. I mean, heck, geez, you just said that you're going to uh, uh, the international uh, men's conference with a whole bunch of people that I really find in, uh, uh, to be intelligent and I admire. Um, I think when we were I meant by that was is that uh, I want to give this sort of. Um, I don't know. I think of, of, of your life as a, uh, my life, I got to stop with this, my, your,
0: uh, I think of my life as a, as a story that your life is fair. I mean, it's, you not talking, you're not saying that there's a personal universal, that's all values. No universal. Right. And so anyway, (laughs) okay. So, so essentially what we did
5: is, um, uh, my wife was, uh, she, she was actually the breadwinner when we were living back in Canada And um, we decided that, you know, later in the, uh, the the period of when she was uh, on her maternity leave um, that we may explore the idea of ex- expatriating ourselves and going somewhere that uh, would allow ourselves to uh, live off of one income. I'm uh, a freelance writer and I run a few websites of my own and uh, we kind of thought to ourselves maybe what we can do is we can find a place in the world uh, that can expand our horizons, we can learn a new language, meet new cultures and, uh, and at the same time spend more time with our children. Um, and we only have our one son right now. He's he's two. Um, but, uh, you know, I've, I've listened to so many of your podcasts about parenting, uh, especially about the value of those first four years. And we take that to heart. That's something that we had discussed before our son was born, uh, how important it was to us. And I mean, ultimately, I think the reason why I, I wanted to reach out to you is, is that you were kind of with the first caller talking about that um – what was it? The observer ego. And, and there's sometimes where I look at it and I go, what are we doing here? You know? Uh, but you know, the other days we, we, we just have to look at our son and, and we can obviously tell that we've made the right decision because he doesn't have to go into daycare. My wife doesn't have to work during the day. Although, you know, we, we have to have that constant conversation about, uh, you know, what do we do with her career, uh, as time goes on? Cause she worked very hard to get into it. Uh, whereas I kind of, mine is of necessity. And so so essentially, I, I'm trying to find out what the pros and cons are uh, of everything. I mean, I, I don't want to be too, too broad, but wait, at the wait, same wait, wait, time, wait.
0: Okay, hang on, hang on, hang <laughs> on. I, I can only assume <laughs> that in your writing, you're slightly more concise and focused.
5: No, no. It's, the pros it's, uh, and cons I, of I, everything? I, my, Seriously? <laughs> I mean, you've got to give me a question that I can hang me, some forget. kind of hook into, right? my son woke us up at 4 30 this morning i apologize i'm not at the sharpest i should be but um okay so what we mean is is that whenever we make these decisions we do look at the pros and cons so i mean for example with moving to paraguay uh it is a 21 hour minimum uh travel day to get back to vancouver to see our family and um, my father has multiple sclerosis. So when my parents came down to visit us, uh, Paraguay is not necessarily a, a wheelchair friendly um, uh, country. So it was very difficult for him to make that visit here. And I mean, we, we look at it in terms of the, the, the pros are like when we get to live in a nicer climate, uh, we get to spend a lot more time with our son. Uh, we actually can afford to have help around the house so that uh, you know we're not too spent by the end of the day. And and ultimately, like we look at it and go, is it is it good to stay this far away, or is it you know I mean as long as we you know do, can do the best that we can for our son and for ourselves, or is there a value of being around you know the elders of our family and 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 being around people uh, who speak our language and and all those kind of things? So, uh, I I just wanted to put it out to you because um, you know we we made this decision. Uh, based on the fact that we really wanted to uh, have one of us home at all times with our with our son. And also, too, I mean, I work from home, so I'm actually able to okay, get dude, down dude, for lunch.
0: I've got to ask you again. Can you please get to a question that I can ask that, that has something to do with philosophy? I mean, this, okay. this amount of information what, 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 is not going to help. You need to get me to a, to a question.
3: Sure, sure.
0: Okay.
5: Um, do, you see, do you see a, a net benefit – of dipping yourself into a completely different culture.
0: And I, also, I don't know what net benefit means. Net, net benefit, is there I mean, a benefit? I, of course, right? Other costs, of course. I don't know what net benefit means. In other words, should you be in Paraguay or should you be in Vancouver? I don't know how that could be a philosophical question, but I'm certainly happy to hear how it could be. I mean, the fact well, that, that you're spending time with your kid is fantastic. You know, the fact that you're distant from your dad who needs help. Uh, obviously is, is a negative, you know, I don't know how to weigh the pros and cons in any objective fashion. It's sort of like, should I like vanilla or chocolate ice cream, you know, to put it in? Well, yeah, it, there's it, no-
5: I think it's not just a matter of it's not just a matter of like, you know, Paraguay being a completely different cult- culture, but I think that the philosophical question for us is is are we doing the right thing by pulling ourselves to a place that we can afford to have one person stay at home all day or if we were in Vancouver both of us have to work to sustain and our kid has to be so raised So where does by your son
0: people. go where does your son go when you're in Vancouver
5: well, we, 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 when we were in Vancouver,
0: it, um, my wife was still on her maternity leave, so we... Okay, uh, help, help me out a little here. Come on, let's move this along. No, when no, you, no, if okay. we well, you, you back you, to Vancouver, where is your son going to go? Unfortunately, I guess he would either have to go to daycare or I would have to... I would probably drop off of what I do and and stay home with him myself. All right. Um, so then if you if you want to be close to your dad and one of you can still be at home, then... Vancouver seems to make sense, right? Uh, I, I guess so. I guess so. I mean, but at the same time, I mean, we really do like
5: the idea of, of you know, like there, there's some benefit for a child and for ourselves to, uh, to be immersed and to learn another language. I mean, that's good for brain development. Okay, so I,
0: I see where this is going to go. Okay, no. So we're going to talk about something else now. <laughs> and we're going to talk about what you really need to talk about. I'm sorry. again? Joel. Joel. Okay, Joel. Okay, so so the way it works is you give me a massive amount of confusing information and it's nothing wrong with that, right? I mean, and there's no way I can possibly answer, right? And then you say, well, if we go back to Vancouver, then my son, you know, we won't be able to stay home. And then I say, well, where's he going to be? He said, well, I could stay home, right? So then if you want to have a parent staying home and you want to be with your father or have access to your father, then Vancouver is the place to be. Then as soon as I f- say Vancouver, you start talking about the positives of Paraguay. And then as soon as I talk about the positives of Paraguay, you're going to start talking about the positives of Vancouver, right? I, I know exactly how this is going to go. And we're going to go insane, right? And you are going insane because you can't come to any kind of decision, Right. Well, I, I I think insane is probably a little bit of an overstatement. Well, okay, but, but it's a big decision, right, where you're going to live and whether your uh, son is going to have access to your father and vice versa, right?
5: Well, th- that's one thing, but also, too, I mean, as a parent, I mean, don't, don't you think that there's some value in instilling your kids like, with new
0: sense of adventure
5: and, and
0: seeing oh other cases? You are, I mean, are, are going to try and give me an aneurysm, right? Because as soon as somebody Aww. says, in isolation, don't you think there is some value in something that is obviously positive, it makes me insane. I'm not saying it's you. I'm just saying it makes me insane, right? Right. I mean, if I kidnap you and I put you in the Amazon jungle and I say, well, isn't, isn't it cool to have an adventure where you're not sure exactly what's going to happen next? No context, right? Of course it's important and cool to go to another culture. Fine. You know, but <laughs> that's not the issue, right? Anything you say, it's good to have your son be with his grandfather if he if he loves if they love each other, right? It's good to be in a nice warm climate. You know, the Vancouver healthcare system sucks. It's good that you can work less. You know, like there, there's pluses and minuses to everything, right? Yeah. And so, I mean, but as did... soon as I start talking about the pluses of one area, you're going to tell me the pluses of another. And as soon as I <laughs> right, I know how this works, right? I I, I get Whoa. it. I get it. there's another bonus (laughs) there's another bonus okay
5: let's let's put another variable into the mix which we can't I will I will I will Um, because my income is from outside of Paraguay I I don't have to pay an income tax anymore and I don't have to support uh, a a tax system anymore and then there's a part of me that feels like if I go back I'm I'm going against my own values of supporting a, a tax system that I don't believe in when I've actually found a way uh to oh not God. necessarily Yo, have to support it. that anymore. You are
0: an absolute expert Why at is not enjoying <laughs> not what? <laughs> not enjoying <You're> an absolute <laughs> expert at not enjoying things. I <laughs> uh, you are like evil <laughs> octo machine arm backs Batman fighting expert villain at not enjoying things. <laughs> no, that's not the case. I mean I All don't right know. let I me just, make I, let me make the case, okay, you really wanted to move to Paraguay to the point where you uprooted your family and got there, right? Yeah, and how long have you been there now? Just over a year, okay, and now you're really thinking about heading back right well it it's
5: I would prefer to stay, but I mean, my wife is wanting to get back into her career and and there's some some family. Distance there, and that's that's where we have this quandary
0: of you know should we stay or should we go the the clash song you know right so you're not particularly enjoying Paraguay because you may be going back to Vancouver and I guarantee you when you go back to Vancouver there'll be things that you hugely miss like after the 19th week of straight rain there'll be things that you really miss about Paraguay and crushed in in a 60 percent tax bracket right
5: I I love Paraguay I just I was just worried that I'm I'm causing you know like that I'm I my values of not wanting to pay taxes not wanting to not wanting to support a bad system being able to stay with my son we're over the top, whereas, like, you know, what if my son gets sick and I need the healthcare system? system? That, that's the only reason
0: why we were, you know, like and my wife, she did bring up about her career. And- OK, hang on. OK, <laughs> Joel, see, this is why it's impossible to have this conversation. We've got taxes. We've got your father. We've got whether Paraguay is wheelchair accessible. We have the weather. We have uh, staying at home versus not staying at home. We have like there's so many variables that there's no possible way to give you a- an example. Or any kind of solution. Because I guarantee you, whatever solution I give me, you're going to give me the opposite case. Well, I I, I hope that's not the case, but if that is the case... Okay, you know that there's no objective answer to this, right?
5: I just... I wanted to hear from you about values
0: of... of, Wait, no, I just asked you a question, right? Don't don't filibuster me. Don't filibuster me, brother. I just asked you a question. (laughs) can you repeat the right question? you know there's no objective answer to this right i guess so well no is there tell me if i'm wrong this isn't physics perf- there's never going to be there's never going to be a perfect
5: there's never going to be a perfect answer you're, you're right i i no
0: i didn't say I perfect what did i say
5: objective answer
0: right because that's a straw man obviously there's no there's, i mean how many perfect answers are there to anything in life right Okay, so you have to listen. If we're going to have a conversation, then we, you have to listen to me. I've tried to listen to you and give you feedback, but you need to listen to me and answer what I'm asking, okay? Or you don't have to. I can move on to another caller, right? But I need you to answer what I'm asking, okay? Sure. Okay. Is there... <laughs> and, and, and the question was, is there an objective answer to this? Yeah. Well, I said there's no objective answer, but you can disagree if you want. <laughs>
5: Um, I, I guess
0: I don't have, uh,
5: anything else of value to oh, add to Oh,
0: please this. give me a yes, no. Is there an objective answer to whether you should be in Paraguay or Vancouver? There's never going to be an objective answer. No. Is there, just give me a yes or no, my God, man. Is there an objective answer as to whether you should be in Paraguay or Vancouver? No. Okay. Why is that was, so hard? This is like the 10th time I've asked that. Why is that hard for you to admit that? I'm genuinely curious. Why, why is that hard to admit? I, because, because being here or there to me
5: is a big decision dependent, no matter where I, where I choose to go. And no,
0: because it doesn't matter whether it's a bigger decision or not. It's a factual question, right? Whether it's a big decision or not is irrelevant. I'm, I'm, I'm actually trying to help you make a decision here. I really am, just in my own annoying way, which hopefully will be helpful. I think it will. <laughs> Right. So why is it hard for you to say there's no objective answer? Like what, what, you, we'll you have just... a resistance to that because you filibuster, you misinterpret the question you give me. Straw man, you, you, you don't answer the question, you change the subject. Why is it hard? Because we're trying to get clarity on something here. And right? well, the first thing we need to get on is your decision making process as a whole. Why is it hard for you to say there's no objective answer to this question? Because that's an easy question, right?
5: Uh, yeah, I, because I like to overthink things. That's why. That's why there's not going to be an objective answer to this. <laughs>
0: Okay, I, so I will, so you I will find a way to overthink it. No, you Not have trouble with decisions because you um, you can't lay out the boundaries. You can't get the basics. Everything becomes immensely complicated and contradictory. And weighing things, and as soon as you decide on one, as soon as you walk up one end of the seesaw, another thing brick comes down to the other end. And right, so this is why you can't make decisions. Right, like this. Yep, that's why. <laughs> okay, so. I, uh, habit come from where does this self paralysis this is what is fundamentally is a self paralysis
5: well i mean i wouldn't call it paralysis because i mean i made the move uh i i made and now you might
0: be moving back
5: i'm just wondering whether i should or not or whether i've made the right decision I, i i guess i shouldn't have to think about that if i if if i had obviously made the right decision i mean i like it here but i mean there's pros and cons and And, you know, my, but if I go into more detail, you're just going to, no, I'm not trying to. uh.
0: Okay. Where did it come from as a habit? You don't, if you don't like the term self-paralysis, that's fine. I mean, I feel paralyzed. I feel like I can't find my way through the fog of what's being talked about, but that may be just me. Mm. Right. So why is it hard, right? To know that it's a subjective decision is one of the first and most important things in any decision-making matrix, right? Right. Right right? So if somebody says, Steph, I really want you to join me in this bank robbery called being the chairman of the Federal Reserve, right? Now, there's an objective decision that I can make. It's it's a nasty thing to do. I'm not going to do it, right? Right. Now, if somebody says to me, would you like a scuba vacation or a mountain climbing vacation? There's not an objective, moral, clear answer to that, right?
5: right there there's just one or the other
0: yeah if somebody says staff i've got a car that when you turn the ignition it explodes would you like it and i say well no that's clear right right so the first thing to to figure out when you've got a big complex decision is is there an objective answer
5: <clears throat> well you're right like um it, obviously i mean i could I could sit and I can weigh the pros and cons over and over again for for uh, off of your show of course for forever and and probably come up with uh you know one decision or the other and it and I'll still probably never be happy with it because I guess i'm trying to make i'm trying to make these
0: decisions with different hats minute. on as All right Joel, Joel. did I say that you were very good at not being happy <laughs> I'm and am said, no, I'm what are you talking about? And then you said, well, I'll, you know, whatever decision, I'll be sure not to be happy with it, right? Well, it's, it's, I think what's, the part that's difficult
5: is, is that the decision as a father, as a son, as, as a husband, uh, they all, and as my own self, uh, as what I, what I, you know, what I enjoy, the, all of those things take different value courses. And, um, yeah, I did. I didn't like being in Vancouver. But I did. I what did. is different? Wanted value of courses. There. Value courses. Courses of value. Uh, what I mean by that is, I, I mean, okay, if I choose to go on a set of values of Joel, the the libertarian who wants to homeschool his kid and wants to, you know, uh, be around as much as possible. That that's one set of values. But then there's like Joel the. The, the son who wants to make sure that his, that, that his family is doing okay, that they get a chance to see uh, their grandson growing up, uh, that's going to have a, a whole different set of values behind it uh, when a decision is made off of that set of values. And then, then there's also the, the, the husband who, who wants to make sure that he provides a very nice lifestyle for his family while at the same time making sure that his wife is happy, his son is happy, and that he himself is happy.
0: But what changed so, after you left Vancouver and moved to Paraguay? Because clearly you went through all of this stuff. I can't imagine for how long. But clearly you went through all this stuff before you moved to Paraguay, right? Mm-hmm,
5: yeah. Yeah. So what's we, changed? I mean, we did. Well, what's changed is that is it, is it, um, my wife has started to express some some concern about you know her career. She doesn't want to like lose the credentials that she had. Um, but she knew all of that uh, when you were moving to Paraguay, right? Well, we didn't know how long we were going to be here, here for. and What do you mean um, you didn't know how? You said you moved to Paraguay. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, you can move back. <laughs> you, you can move anywhere you want to.
0: I get you that, know? but what like, we was had a the list. plan when you moved to Paraguay? What's the plan to stay in Paraguay?
5: No, the plan. the plan was to assess Paraguay, whether or not we wanted to stay here or not. I'm going to drive you nuts. I'm sorry.
0: No, it's, um, I'm glad that you're noticing it. I really am. I'm really glad that you're noticing it because it makes me feel a little uh, less crazy. All right. Okay. So you you were you were and would you would do you want to if it was just your decision and everyone else was happy with whatever you decided, what would you do? Would you stay in Paraguay?
5: Yeah. Yeah, I like it here a lot. Uh, it's nice. It's 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 good to also you know
0: I like I like my role. Um, I like okay so you would say to... you so you would say in paraguay i'm sure your son is fine where he is right i mean he's got great weather so he can go outside he's got continuity he's got both parents around i mean that's pretty good right yeah yeah he, i mean he, he digs it i so mean the he's only learning, problem he's the only problem is is your wife right and and obviously your your father wants to see his grandson more and it's tough for him to get to get out to where you are it's tough for you to get home right Right. Right.
5: I mean, it's, there's, there's that distance factor that, that, you know, comes into play. I mean, sometimes
0: we talk about and go, Hey, why don't we meet? No, 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 I I can't. I'm not, I'm not going down this road with you where you give me more details because we're trying to get some clarity here. Right. Okay. So your wife knew that if she stayed in Paraguay, she was going to lose her license or her career or whatever, right. For the time being. That's right. Yeah. Okay. And she knows that she's going to have to go back to work if you go back to Vancouver. Right. And she wants to go back to Vancouver and go to work. She's not 100% sure on that yet. I mean, because some days she has a blast I guess days... she's not 100 Who's Who's 100% sure of everything? Again, this is a straw man, right? You're creating these impossible standards and saying, well, we're not there yet. But there's a difference between 1% and 99%. And there's a difference between 30% and 70%. So... She wants to go back because of her career. she has some right she would lean towards that, right
5: career and 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 she misses her parent her, her, her father too so yeah. right. um,
0: Well, I mean what about I, uh, just living six months and six months? That is an option. that is definitely an option. Um, we, I mean that's we a compromise where you get an Paraguay and she gets right and you can be gone for the winter and, and back there for the summer, right. Right, but then when we're back, I mean, I guess then she
5: she works part time or, or works seasonal, and then um, and then what, what to do with? The, I guess then I I guess I just take the time off while we're in Vancouver to to stay home with our son, and I guess it wouldn't be Vancouver;
0: we'd have to live on the outskirts because Vancouver is a kind of expensive place to live. Um okay. but so that, but that's a way in which. I mean, your son will lose some continuity, but, you know, at two, that's not hugely essential, I assume. But your wife gets to keep no. her career. You get to spend the winters in Paraguay, and that could, that could work, right? That could work. Yeah. Yeah. All
5: I right. think we've reached something. So I guess um, I guess I can let you go
0: on to another caller. All right. Well, thanks for the same. call. I appreciate it. And uh, best of luck with the decision. Mike, who do we have next?
1: All right, Michael Rodin and uh, his question. He actually had two questions, which I'll read both of them. Normally we don't do that, but I think these two are related. Wait, um, wait, wait.
0: <laughs> You're asking for a ferocious amount of concentration for somebody over I, 40.
1: I will paste them both in your Skype windows. Then. Oh, good. Okay, thank you. <laughs> thank you. That would be great. All right, copy, paste. There you go. All right. He wrote in and said, not knowing what you want in a relationship is apparently very unattractive in adults, especially males. Unfortunately, some adults have no relationship experience or role models. How can someone figure out exactly what love means to them when they've only heard about it from song lyrics, television characters, and talking heads on the Internet? Oh. The second question. The second can you think question, of me as a
0: talking armpit on the Internet? Just so I don't <laughs> fall into that category. No, think of me as a song lyric.
1: Let me see if I can rhyme love okay. with love. Anyway, or maybe with baby. Sorry, go ahead. All right. The second question is, what is your problem with dermatism That oh man, what is your problem with determinism philosophically? I've heard you speak out against determinism uh, with regards to human decision making, but my own understanding of science, which is better than most, is that this flies in the face of everything we know about physical reality. So that's the second question.
6: Yeah.
1: All right. That's determinism <laughs> All right, that was that was foreordained.
0: <laughs> All right. So, um, um what's the dude's name? My name is Michael. Michael. Okay. So, Mike, uh, and just for those who know, Mike's uh, on a phone cuz you had the problem with your your mic, Michael, right? Anyway. So, um not knowing what you want in a relationship, what do you mean?
6: Well, okay. Um, I, I, uh, a couple uh, weeks ago, you were uh, talking to someone and you were criticizing uh, dating profiles uh, for uh, males or something. And I remember um, the profile you were criticizing, he didn't know if he wanted children. He didn't know, he didn't seem to know what he wanted uh, in a partner or whatever. He wasn't being very specific about what he wanted. And you were sort of reacting like, uh, to that negatively like okay this is a weakness of
0: his character or something and that i guess that's in a sense true but how do you fix that no 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 sorry just just to be clear um i wasn't i wasn't saying that it was a weakness in his character if i remember rightly what i was saying is that it seems to be a bit manipulative like you're just casting your net too wide because you just want to catch someone and it seems kind of low self-esteem right right okay like if I say, so, well, I date any woman from 20 to 50 with any educational standing and whatever, right? Then it would be like, okay, so right. <laughs> it's just like a pulse. Like you just want a body, right, with hopefully moving, right?
6: Yeah, okay. But, I mean, to me, it seems like being very uh, open-minded is a good strategy if you have no experience, Right.
0: Well, open-minded, see, open-minded is one of these words that people use instead of an argument because it just has positive connotations. You know, it's like saying, well, so-and-so is overreacting. It's like, well, overreacting by definition is a bad thing, right? But you haven't actually established anything. Open-minded means that you're willing to accept new evidence and new arguments, but they still have to be rational, right? (laughs) I mean, I'm not open-minded to the point where I'm going to believe that the Mayan calendar is going to predict the end of the world, right? Um, so it's uh, being open minded means being receptive to high standards and high qualities of new information, uh, not people's sort of opinions or you know perspectives or whatever right uh, so I- i'm open minded about say UFOs you know I mean sure uh, the idea that there's no other life in the universe is inconceivable uh, the idea that 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 human beings are going to have anything in common with aliens uh, in a sort of what thirteen billion year old universe or whatever um, You know, given that even cultures 100 years apart don't have much in common, uh, we're not likely to have much. But, you know, so I'm open-minded. You know, I I would never say never, but my standards of proof will have to be more than it looks like a weather balloon through a shaky cam on the other side of a tree (laughs) on the the dark side of a mountain. So, um, yeah, so uh, open-minded is fine, but, you know, still need good reason and evidence to, to change your mind, if that makes sense. Yeah, okay, but so um, why not open have any, mind uh, wasn't... Why don't you have any sorry, why don't you have any role models?
6: Oh, um, well I mean I was uh raised by a single uh, mom and she never uh dated, I guess, and
0: uh, wait, when you said you guess, what do you mean?
6: Oh, okay. Well, that was uh sloppy on my part. It's not a guess. It's uh definitely true.
0: But, uh, oh, she never dated. Okay.
6: Well, n- not after uh things went sour uh, between uh, my parents or whatever.
0: And did you see your dad after that?
6: But... Oh, yeah, I see him once in a while.
0: You know, he No, I mean as a kid.
6: Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. They they were
0: Did he date? Civil.
6: Oh, yeah. But I didn't, okay, I didn't see him very much, and I didn't spend significant amounts of time with him, even. Like, I just see him a few times, like, maybe once a month or something. I mean, he lives nearby, but, you know, whatever.
0: Why didn't he want to see you?
6: Um, well, he... I mean, I don't really think he wanted to be a a parent or something, and uh, he didn't really him to like me overall I mean he's friendly to me a bit but there wasn't really a lot of a really strong interest or something
0: hmm. yeah I'm sorry about that it's it's hard to feel like you're worth something if you're particularly if your same-sex parent doesn't find much value in you right yeah yeah all right, um okay, so your mom didn't date did your dad date
6: oh yeah he um uh, sort of has a common law wife, and he has for a while um, he's sort of been dating the same person for about uh, eighteen years or something, so it's they live together and stuff you know they're just not married married uh legally
0: you sound um You sound very sad to me or um, without energy. Does that make sense?
6: I'm just trying to keep my voice down because it's, uh, you know, I'm in a house full of people and stuff. Sorry about that.
0: I'm not saying that you have to yell. (laughs) That's my job, right? Sorry. Yeah.
6: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, sorry. I'll try and keep my voice up a little bit.
0: Yeah, I don't think it's the volume that I'm talking about. Um Oh, well, I mean, I'm, I'm uh, not. How are you uh, feeling? How are you feeling when we're talking about it at the moment? Well, a little sad,
6: but uh you know, it's. I mean, it's not a positive subject, really.
0: Uh, okay, well, wait a second here. Wait, wait, wait. Okay, so you need to be more honest with me. At least I make that request, right? Because I said you sound sad, and then you gave me some story about needing to keep your voice low, right? And then I ask you how you feel, and you say you feel sad, right? Yeah. Do you understand that's not the easiest maze to navigate? Um,
6: Not precisely. Uh, What is the issue?
0: Okay, I'll, I'll be more clear. I'll try to be more clear. So... Uh, I said that you sounded sad, and then you basically said, "I'm not sad. I'm just have to keep my voice down because there are other people in the house, right?" Yeah. And then within about thirty seconds, you then said, "I feel sad."
6: Okay. Yeah. 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 Sorry. Yeah.
0: Okay. So, so then the problem isn't that your mom didn't date, right? The problem is that people don't ask you how you feel, or if you do ask, if they do ask you how you feel, then you experience that as something you need to evade, right?
6: Well, yeah, people don't ask me anything about my goals or internal life or anything. That's, no, no one really has any interest in me.
0: Yeah, because then when you said you felt sad, you sort of made an excuse like, well, it's a sad subject, right? Like you had to have a sort of reason or an excuse for feeling sad. And I mean this with sympathy. I, I'm not trying to criticize you at all. I'm just sort of trying to give you my feedback on interacting with you. So when you said people, do you mean that your mom and your dad when you were a kid didn't ask you how you felt or didn't show curiosity about your inner life?
6: Um no, not then, uh, not ever, really.
0: Oh, that's terrible. That's terrible.
6: And I, I don't really, I don't really have any. Uh, I mean, I'm I'm 27, and I've never really had any. Uh, uh, really good friends.
0: Well, when you say really good friends, do you mean friends at all, or have
6: well, I mean, you had I bad had
0: friends people... or somewhat good friends?
6: I've had friends that were nice sometimes, but kind of uh abusive other times uh, in some ways in my own sorry opinion, let
0: me let me just let me just be clear about this. yeah if they're nice sometimes but abusive sometimes, they're abusive. yeah, yeah right, because the nicest is to get you roped into more abuse, right? like there aren't nice people who then just every now and then call you a shithead.
6: Yeah, but it was also my own choice to put up with it. You know, I chose not to see what... I didn't... Was,
0: that had nothing to do obvious. with that. What, what you're saying has nothing to do with what I'm saying.
3: Yeah.
0: What I'm, yeah because yeah, you said they were nice and they were also abusive sometimes. And I'm pointing out that nice people aren't abusive sometimes. Abusers are nice sometimes, but nice people are not abusive sometimes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, so whether you put up with it or not has nothing to do with what I'm saying. And I'm just pointing out because I want our lines of communication to be really clear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. So what effect do you think it had on you, this stone-walled, blank-eyed lack of curiosity about your thoughts and feelings as a child?
6: Well, I mean, I... Uh... I don't tend to share my thoughts and feelings. Well, I'm, I'm starting to now, but I, I tend not to share my thoughts and feelings with um, people in general. I assume they will not be interested in them. I tend to be very... Uh, but I'm, I'm making an effort to open up to people. Are you interested so. in that? Uh, yes, yes. I I try and... and,
0: What thoughts and feelings do you find interesting in in yourself?
6: Well, I mean, I have, uh, you know, I think a lot about history and, uh, you know, the future and all kinds of things like, uh, you know, I I have lots of interests and I, I don't keep them private anymore. I try and... Show other people what I do, and ask what they do, and just try and find connections with other people. I I try and find common ground with other people
0: uh, in person, and
6: I try and okay.
0: Do so that. um okay, I I sort of feel like I'm experiencing a commercial, right? Because if if oh. you have um I mean if you're making progress in this kind of area then. We don't really need to talk about it, right? Right. All right. So did you want to talk about the dating profile or determinism?
6: Oh, yes, yes, yes. Um, the, the, the dating profile or determinism? Yes. Yeah, those are different things. Uh, which one would you like to talk about?
0: Um, I, mean, I there... guess, uh, yeah, I guess we can... Um, I guess we can talk about determinism. So, what is your understanding of science that um, that you feel is the basis for determinism?
6: Okay. Well, I mean, my understanding of science is that uh, well, I mean, uh, reality. I mean, uh, is supposed to be. The solution to some differential equation somewhere. I mean, the differential equation gives the law, and the particular solution is the incidental information about uh, the world, like the distribution of matter and stuff like that. And it just evolves deterministically because that's just what the laws of physics say. It says that the future is predicted by the past. That is the position of physics.
0: So it. No, I, I, don't, I don't think that it is. Am I, am I misunderstanding? So, no, so what you're saying is that the brain is made up of, of physical matter and energy. And since an atom can't make a choice, a human being can't make a choice, right? Uh, what do you mean by make a
6: choice?
0: Well, an atom can't make a choice, right? An atom has no consciousness, right? Well... I'm not
6: exactly No no sure don't do overcomplicate define... this.
0: No no hang on, hang on. This is a yes-no. Does an atom have consciousness? You need to define consciousness. Okay, I, mean, I can't have conversations. I can with think of no reasonable definition difficult. of consciousness. I simply can't I
6: simply that an can't. atom would satisfy, but No, I'm, to... sorry. My,
0: I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I can't I can't do this then. Uh, if, if you if you can't openly state that an atom doesn't have consciousness, then I'm just not going to. I, I don't. There's no definition of consciousness which would uh, actually have an atom possess it. Uh, Mike, do we have anyone else for tonight? Well, we have Waleed. All right. If we could move on to Waleed. thank you.
1: All right. And I've completely scrolled down and off my question list. What was your question, Waleed?
7: Okay. So uh, I wanted to ask about the petrodollar. Right. And its uh, relation to um, basically the dollar
0: itself. All right. So you, you may be doing a little bit more telling, a little bit less asking, but uh, go for it. Oh, believe so me, believe me. So tell me, me about I the sounds, dollar. Is that the so, dollar, which, which is backed by uh, by a basket of commodities, namely oil, or something like that?
7: Well, it's basically um, so. In, I believe it was in the nineteen seventies. The United States made an agreement with. Oil-producing states, in particular, and said that in exchange for uh, basically military assistance, uh, you will do trade for the for oil only in U.S. dollars. And because because uh, the oil trade is facilitated in the U.S. dollar mainly, that drives up the demand for dollars, and that essentially props up the dollar. Yeah. So um, I wanted to know if that whether or not this. Basically made it so that the U.S. dollar was backed by oil because I've been trying to, I've been trying to think um, how this would not be the case because I know that uh, you know the libertarians in particular we always say that gold the gold standard is, is the most it would be an ideal situation um, for the dollar but if it's the dollar is already backed by oil um, is that really necessary and maybe that's extending the longevity of the U.S. empire itself, because, I mean, the U.S. empire has shown that it's more than willing to basically burn down entire nations to
0: preserve the status quo. And um, yeah, I mean, I, again, I would question some of the libertarian stuff when cryptocurrencies came up. Uh, there certainly seems to have been a bit of a split in the libertarian community between those who are fans of cryptocurrency and those who still hold to the gold standard. You may find that uh, those who are still very keen on the gold standard seem to be strangely simultaneous with those who take a lot of advertisement from gold bullion dealers i don't know or who have been recommending yeah. that people buy gold for a long time it could just be a coincidence it may not be wildly objective this is one of the reasons i don't do advertising <laughs> because it just has this habit of having uh, people follow the advertising dollars like swam salmon going upstream to spawn but um, I think the libertarian position, if I understand it correctly, is that the free market solution is best. Free market solution is best. Voluntary trade is best. Now, there's nothing about the U.S. dollar and the petrodollar that has anything to do with the free market. In fact, you really couldn't design something more diametrically opposite to the free market than the U.S dollar hegemony, like the the, um, reserve currency status at the U.S. dollar, right? So uh, the U.S. government is printing this money. Of course, it's worthless. It's, uh, you know, I guess you could burn it in an emergency or whatever, but it's just junk, right? And the way that they have propped up its value, as you point out, is they offer military aid. Well, the U.S. government is only getting that military aid by stealing from the general population and in particular from the unborn, which is not through taxation and national debt and, and through the printing of currency. Which is completely the opposite of a free market environment. The money that they use to pay for the weapons that they then ship over to these general third world or Middle East shithole dictatorships uh, is being handed over after being stolen uh, at the point of a gun from the American population. The weapons are being handed over to these uh, god awful um, dynasties in the Middle East, all right? There's the Saudis and and all this, and they yeah hundreds of billions of dollars of military aid. Now in return they will continue to use the dollar uh to sell the oil that is extracted using mostly state corporations which are the complete opposite of the uh free market and uh so it is uh, a massive um, anti-free market scheme uh, it is um uh, you know it's the typical uh, capitalism thing where where People use some vestiges of the free market to wildly profit at the point of a gun. You know, like uh, you need a bank in order to be a bank robber. So you need some vestiges of the free market in order to be able to steal uh, very profitably. And so uh, the libertarian solution would be um, stop having governments deal with other governments because that's violent by nature. Uh, Stop having the government tax people. That's violent by nature. Uh, and uh, stop having the government produce currency, that is a violent and exclusionary uh, monopoly on counterfeiting that is against the free market and let people deal and trade with each other voluntarily, and let the chips fall where they may.
7: Yeah, and I totally agree with everything you just said. And um, I do like the way that you basically look at it from the free market perspective. Um, Mostly I was thinking of the people who criticize uh, like the current form of government but won't go as far as to say that you should just do away with it entirely, I like that. Like I said, they always bring up, oh, well, the dollar is not backed by gold um, and that means it's not. It's, that's that's the, the root of our ills in the society is that you can print whatever you want in your bank account. Um, and then I always think back to, like I said, the
0: petrodollar and like I guess maybe the dollar is backed by oil in some ways. So um, they, have, they have this fantasy that before 1973 america was some virgin peaceful paradise
7: right i mean that's um so i I mean i listen to peter schiff a lot so he makes oh yeah okay (laughs) okay (laughs) and you and you as well and i own both gold and i own both 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 bitcoin and gold so um just as a disclosure but
0: and i'm not um, i'm not begging on gold right i've I've, i have some gold too and i i recommend it as, as something that's that's worthwhile having uh, so, um, but yeah, I mean, look. Prior to 1973, I mean, the the U.S. invaded Hawaii and Puerto Rico, got involved in World War. Uh, one was fighting Muslim Barbary pirates under Jefferson, uh, got involved in the Second World War, armed Hitler, by the way, uh, got involved in the Korean War, the, um, uh, you know, has 700 and plus military bases overseas, the Vietnam War, the the Iraq War, the stagflation of the I mean, the, the, so up even if we just take prior to 1973, which is when Nixon officially took the U.S. off the gold standard because of um, not wanting to raise taxes to pay for Vietnam, I mean, it was... Um, A growing imperialist country, you know, from the very beginning. I mean, the whole thing was built on the bones of the natives to to the country uh, or to the the landmass. So uh, I think that to return America to the gold standard while still leaving the government in control of the currency would certainly have an effect and would shrink the power of the state and so on. Which is why it's never going to happen. I mean, this idea that the government is going to somehow want to or will permit the return to the gold standard is, you know, it's it's a fantasy. You know, it's it's like the, you know, the the virtuous taxation. I mean, you know, if well, if the government, you see, uh, you know, and you see these lists all over the internet, right? Uh, here's what we need to do. You know, five things we need to do to fix America. We need to, you know, and they just come up with this list. That, uh, you know, we need to cut back and title the programs so that they only deal with the truly needy. You know, we need to reduce healthcare costs by promoting uh, wellness among the general population, good nutrition and exercise, and we need to cut back on foreign commitments. We need to, you know, and then we need, you know, 500 unicorns to fight on the Constitution until it comes to life in a giant paper zombie format and takes down the capital. You know, it's just, uh, you know, you can come up with any list that you want, you know. I mean, it's literally like saying to your belly, you know, well, what you need to do is shrink those fat cells and blah, blah, blah. It's like, well, you know, you're still going to eat like a pig. It doesn't really matter what you tell your belly. So um, they're not going to go. I mean, the the idea that the gold standard is going to save us is, uh, you know, I'll I'll wait for the space aliens to come down and, and create anarchy first. Yeah,
7: I do think that there needs to be um, a great deal of philosophical enlightenment in the population before any real
0: change occurs, but um, I just wanted we to We need to ask get back you. to teaching our kids proper core values of personal responsibility and civic duty, and we need to make sure the teachers are fully engaged and bringing the best out in their student, and it's like, yeah i mean sure i mean you can paint whatever word salad you want on the clouds and think that you're achieving something in the world but if you ignore the basic coercive self-interest of mammoth heavily armed institutions i mean you're just tiptoeing through the tulips when you're actually walking on a landmine boom red mist well at least we don't have to listen to that nonsense anymore right
7: yeah definitely agree with that um so i guess that was really the extent of that question um I don't know if you have time for another one. Depends. I'll just go Depends ahead and ask like, them. Yeah. Um, so in my conversations with people, uh, particularly other men, um, I typically run up on this problem where everything, everything basically turns into a, um, a pissing contest. Um, so if I have any sort of opinion or if I make any sort of assertion, everybody's guard immediately goes up and it seems to them like I'm trying to dominate the conversation Um, and so they'll disagree with me just to disagree with me rather than they're disagreeing with the content of what I'm saying and the reason why I know this is because sometimes I will make just to test it out I'll make two contradictory remarks um, basically in the same sentence to see if they will point it out or if they'll just disagree just to disagree Um, and they always do so and this is a problem across uh, many of my friends um, or people who I, I associate with regularly. And I wanted to ask, um, ask you, how do I limit this? Because I've tried to consciously keep myself aware, okay, am I coming off as aggressive? Am I um, being overly assertive? Is my posturing uh, too forward? But it doesn't really seem like it matters. It seems to me like people just want to talk over me or just to disagree with me, just to like, frustrate me.
0: And this is, you think this is, um, the men, 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 men do this.
7: Oh yeah. It's always men. Women just, women really never do that.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, how many women talk about important stuff? I mean, men talk about important stuff badly, but at least they try. Right. Um, yeah. so how are these men in your life? I mean, how, how are they your friends?
7: Um, one of them is my brother. And, uh, so. Ah, you actually- see, so- <laughs> right. Sort right, of an important yes.
0: point. Okay, go on.
7: And um, and uh, a lot, a lot of the other ones are sometimes like my brother's friends, or there'll be people that I worked with, um, or there'll be people who I w- who I went to college with, and who I see them now that I'm uh, basically embraced philosophy, and I can't really even be around them anymore because of uh, you know they're still unprocessed, and I met them back during a time when I was unprocessed and really had no concept of philosophy or self-knowledge. And so I just basically, um, I run up against the wall against um, of all of these, you know, past traumas and whatnot, which manifest as, you know, stonewalling, whatever attempt I make at trying to find some sort of truth or, you know, give them some sort of truth that I've found out myself. I've, o- I've even experienced it in like job interviews I've had with employers. So if I express an opinion, they'll give me shit for, you know, whatever reason they want to do that. So just, I see it many, in many places in my everyday life. And it's not with all guys, um, but it's, it's really a persistent problem for me, um, particularly with none. So um, I don't know if you've had right, any experience okay. with that. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, what? <laughs> i had any experience
0: okay. finding a post-philosophical life incompatible with anti-philosophical people.
7: Yeah, I could say. You know, sorry if that was patronizing. I didn't
0: know. No, no, I it's not patronizing. It's just, uh, it, I guess it was unthinking. But no, not patronizing. But no, I, I, I didn't laugh at you. I just thought that was a funny question, you know? Yeah. I you, know, totally it's like, uh, you know, it's like somebody who's watched my videos for four years and then says, Steph, have you had any experience with hair loss of any kind at all? Anyway, Um So there's, there's two categories of people that you're talking about here, right? So the first category is people who are in, not in your life by choice, and the second is the category of people who were in your life by choice, right? Correct. Right, so your college and friends and then, then family and right, your brother's friends and all that, right? Right. Well, you know, one of the great challenges of sibling relationships is overcoming competitiveness. Yeah. Right. So so to the point where instead of trying to step on each other, you're actually trying to support each other. Um, it, it is one of the great challenges. And I, you know, according to Dr. Phil, like 50% of sibling relationships are characterized as abusive anyway. Um, but, you know, finding a way to overcome the one-upmanship, the bullshit that happens between siblings, and maybe I don't know enough about sisters, but, you know, I have a brother and <laughs> it's, you know, uh, overcoming that stuff is, is really, uh, one of the great challenges of maturation. Uh, and, um, siblings who aren't able to overcome that, I think, um, turn the greatest opportunity in life, particularly like brothers will be brothers and sisters could be there for like forever. Right. I mean they're the people who can go through your whole life with your parents, you know, if you've got great parents, they can't go through your whole life with you because you know, they're going to die. And uh, uh, but siblings, they can they can do the whole they can do the whole journey with you, right? And right. they knew you were when you were kids, and they can be with you in the old age home too, right? They can do this whole journey. There's such amazing one of a kind opportunities for connection, support, intimacy, and trust in sibling relationships that people who fuck that up are literally like taking gold. And throwing it out of an airplane into the ocean. I mean, so, so the amount of opportunity that there is in sibling relationships is so astounding, so amazing, such a rich potential for the deepest and most meaningful relationship outside of marriage that you can have, that people who kind of refuse to outgrow, you know, bullshit, one-upmanship in sibling relationships are just to me throwing away one of the greatest gifts that biology has to offer. I just really wanted to sort of point that out uh, up front because it sounds like a little bit like with your brother, maybe more than a little bit, it sounds like there is this. um...
7: Yeah, there definitely is. It's there. And unfortunately, you know, we've talked about it and we had a heart-to-heart conversation um, really regarding the status of our relationship. Uh, it was relatively recently, I told him that I was going to move out of the apartment and just basically get my own place because he didn't seem too interested in me, he didn't seem very interested in my opinions or anything like that. And uh, we, had a, we had a pretty heartfelt moment at that point where he basically told me that, um, he basically begged me to to live with him again for one more year, which I did. I agreed to that because sure. he gave me a really good, um, really good case for why I should and he said that uh, basically, like what you had just said, that if we let this opportunity pass, we will never build a strong bond, and he would deeply regret that for the rest of his life.
0: And I told him... Well, no, you know, no, see, hang on, hang on. I don't know that he would deeply regret it for the rest of his life, right? You that, don't, that requires neither, neither conscience. do I. Right. Right. So this idea that because you see this wild curse being thrown around a lot, you know, well, you have to reconcile with your parents because after they're dead, you'll regret it for the rest of your life, 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 life. And, you know, I just think that's, you know, there's this happens all the time. I'm not saying how common it is, but you sort of have this. um There's this thing where, you know, cops lied to get someone convicted because they wanted to up their numbers or get a promotion or whatever. And they just kind of go on with their lives, right? And, and you know, God, I mean, there's this guy sitting in prison that, that's wrong and all that, right? Um, and I'm not sure that, you know, they have consciences to, to be fussed about. Like, you know, as I mentioned in the show recently, George Bush, uh, you know, the younger who declared a war in Iraq based upon incorrect intelligence information, to put it as nicely as possible. That guy, um, you know, he's painting his cats. He's got a presidential library. He writes books. He does tours, you know. I mean, I am very sensitive to doing wrong in the world. And if I've done something wrong, it really bothers me. It really bothers me. Like I, I put out a video with, about Nelson Mandela where I talked about him nationalizing stuff because I read it on a blog Uh, that was quoting a a pretty reputable source turned out that that blog and the source was completely wrong and i felt like oh my god that's terrible i didn't put out information like that's bad information or whatever right and yet i didn't start a war that you know killed millions of people that was wrong and unjust and right so so it's really important to this this curse that we wave around. I don't, it may not be true, and it certainly may not be applicable to the person right i'm not, I'm not comparing your brother to to George like a war criminal i, I understand that i'm just saying it's right. not necessarily true that because you know if he was really bothered by the lack of intimacy in the relationship, then he probably would have worked to try and solve it beforehand right
7: exactly, and I wasn't defending him by any means. I was just giving you my justification for why I agreed to basically resign a lease with him. um and basically, now that we have this opportunity, I was just curious about your perspective on how I could do some work myself to make it better and some things that I could say to him, particularly um, to give this second chance, basically, that we have uh, to make the most of it, more
0: or less. Um, and yeah. uh, how old are you guys, roughly? Like, mid, early, mid-20s? I'm 25.
7: He's, 20, he's
0: 23. Okay. So I'm older. So you've had like a quarter century to work in it already, right? Right. Right. I mean, give um, or take, right?
7: Yeah, and it was about a year or two ago that I really began to seek self-knowledge and to process my childhood, and he hasn't right. done that. So he's, I'm talking to somebody basically with all my past prior trauma, because he was there for all of it, and he basically was dished the same, you know, plate of shit that I had to eat when I was a kid. But um, getting him to start um, questioning that position is really is really the goal there. Um, so yeah, this does go a lot deeper than people stonewalling my arguments, but um, yeah, that's really where I'm at right now with him.
0: Well, um, what commitments has he made to make any kind of change, or has he?
7: So, he, basically, what he'll do is he, he comes home from work, and he basically will tell me, um, hey, you want to go do something? And it usually, I tell him basically, like, look, Matt, I don't want to hang out with you anymore if it has something to do with getting drunk or drinking or anything like that, because we're not really we're not really bonding at that point. What we're really doing is we just our alcoholism more than
0: anything else, um, but when I say this, do you, like, do you really have right. alcoholism? I mean, is that um, a throwaway oh, yeah, phrase, or
3: oh, oh you no, are alcohol? Uh, um, oh, it's a
0: throwaway yeah, phrase. Definitely. Okay.
7: Well, I mean, we we I mean, we get f- to use like the parlance. We get fucked up when we drink, so I guess that's alcoholism. Well, how often do you drink? It? Um. I don't drink very often. I drink probably once every couple of months. Um, oh, okay, all right. And it's typically because of work and because you know I, I'm like a health fitness. Not so I kind of just um, stay off of that stuff. Um, but I used to drink a lot. There was a period where, and him too. So there was probably a period when I was drinking like every day for probably like a month. Um, but it was never – Yeah, but
0: that's, that's long in the past, right? Yeah,
7: it's about – that was a few years ago. But yeah, okay. right okay, now – I don't
0: Probably not that relevant yeah. now. So has he made – I mean does he know that You know, one of the things that's propelling you is this examination, this exhumation of history and pursuit of self-knowledge yeah. and so on? Is that – and what does right. he think? So
7: he – so I talked to him about our parents and um, we basically – we had very abusive parents. Um, and he agrees with me that my father was abusive, but he refuses to see the abusiveness of my mom um, because I guess she was supposedly less abusive and she has a very troubled history herself. Um,
0: Oh, and they show he doesn't get the your mom chose your dad thing.
7: He doesn't get it and he feels sorry for her because of my mom's history Um, and because she is, um, she's extremely nurturing In a way that she, um, she's like one of those mothers who would probably sacrifice her life for her kids, but at the same time is still abusive, if that makes any sense. It makes no sense. Right. I mean, it's, so she's basically, (laughs) she's basically like financially bankrupt, but she's still like, even though that me and my brother, we're both pretty well off financially, she still spends like half of her paycheck sending us care packages,
0: which I don't really understand. Even though when I tell her, like, well, Don't do okay, this. but um, but hang on, so, so she would do anything for her kids, you think?
7: I know, where I know where you're going with this stuff. I have <laughs> listened to your show enough times. <laughs> okay, but uh, like, I, take I, it, it, it away. Just, I'll i will get a snack. You take it away. I know. Ex- Sorry, I didn't mean to. I'm not trying to be. No, no. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, this is. I'm so, glad that you do. So go ahead. Okay. So yeah, I know that if she if she really did care that much, she would have gotten away from my dad for one. Um, and she wouldn't, have been, she wouldn't have been abusing us verbally and physically.
0: Um, that's but not he, what he, he I was just, thinking. Uh, but... Sorry. I, that's where I thought you were going with this one. Um, <laughs> no, no. I mean, that's, 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 a fine, that's a fine thing. But have you talked to your mom about your childhood? I did. I did. I recently
7: spoke to her, um, really on my brother's behest, because he, I hadn't talked to her in about a year. Uh, basically, i cut off all contact with my parents. Um, but he asked me to speak to her because she was, she claimed to be depressed and she couldn't go to work anymore because I wasn't speaking with her or something like that. It was, um, something along those lines where she, uh, she was so depressed that she couldn't even get out of bed because she felt like such a horrible mother, that kind of thing. So she was basically trying to guilt me into talking to her and which I did. I just said, okay, I'll talk to her. Um, I'm going to tell, I'm not going to, I'm not going to. I'm going to make it hard for her, too. I'm not going to just say, oh, uh, I feel sorry for you. Um, I forgive you for everything that you've done and whatnot. So I told her, basically, like, if you want to keep talking to me, uh, these are my terms. Um, I told her about how I didn't have much of a connection to her throughout my childhood and how I was perpetually abused by her, how she married a pretty vicious alcoholic, um... And all of the, everything I had to say regarding our abuse, and I, which I relayed back to my brother. I told him everything that I had told her. Um, he still doesn't see this. Um, he still doesn't understand
0: this. Um, Sorry, who doesn't? Your brother? My brother. Yeah, my brother still doesn't... Okay, no, let's get back to your sp- mother. Let's get back to your mother. Don't don't, don't <laughs> flip me in, in and out of people. Sorry. Um, so what happened with the, your mom when you told her all this? So first she... First, she
7: said that I was overreacting, to which I told her, no, I'm not,
0: and this is Okay, why. so she wouldn't, she wouldn't do anything for her children then? Right. Like, listen to them, right? Like, she asks a question, you give an honest response, and she tells you that you're wrong. Exactly. Right, so the idea that she would do anything for her children, I mean, she won't even listen, right?
7: Right. Um... When I said what I had when I said when I said that she quote unquote do anything it was more like a uh self sacrificing sort of thing. Um like physical self sacrifice,
0: it seems to me. No. Uh, no. No, no, no. You said she sent you care packages, right? Right. And you said, I don't know what they're for, right? Right. So they're not for you. They're not for your needs. They're for her needs. Yeah. Like, I come can talk see to them. me because I'm so depressed I can't get out of bed. How was your childhood? Oh no, you're wrong about that. Those are her needs. I see. The care packages aren't for you, they're, they're for her. So, so she can play I a see. role to herself and say, Well, look, I send care packages. I care. I do anything for my kids, all right? Except listen to them and not abuse them and marry a man who, you know, wasn't a vicious alcoholic or whatever, right? Right. Right. I see that. So give me an example of not self-sacrifice fucking care packages and money. Who cares about that? Self-sacrifice is when you listen to something that's really uncomfortable to you and stay empathetic to the other person, right? Right. Which she didn't do. Right. Okay, so you said that you had huge issues with her as a mother. And you said that she was abusive and that she married an abusive man and so on, right? Right. And not just occasionally abusive, right? But if if I understand it correctly, it was fairly continual, right?
7: Oh, yeah. It was basically uh, every day.
0: Okay. So then what happened when you told her that... I mean, this is about as negative a feedback as parents can get, right?
7: Yeah. So... I kept going after her initial resistance and I told her that you're going to have to accept conversations on these, on these types of terms you're going to have to accept um, basically what you did wrong. And she said, okay, I will. And, um,
0: (laughs) okay. That sounds believable. All right.
7: Yeah. So, um, and then what happened? So basically I've only talked to her two times since. And, um, Wait, 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 wait.
0: Wait, just a doggone minute. I jumped too far there, didn't I? Well, you kind of skipped over something that's kind of important. Okay. What was that? You told her that you have massive problems with her as a parent, right? Whose job is it to pursue that? Whose job is it to fix that? Well, it's her job. It's her job. She should be racking her brain. She should be reading the books. she say, give me the books you've been reading. Give me whatever's helping you with these ideas. Let's go to therapy. Uh, fuck the care packages. Let's pay for a psychologist or, or a therapist or something. Uh, I'm so sorry. Uh, I'm going to write down things. Uh, does this jive with your experience? Tell me more. She should be diving in, right? After you bring up this bombshell, right? Which obviously is a bombshell to her, right? Yeah. Oh no,
7: she didn't do anything even approaching approaching that. Um, it became a non subject again, right? More or less, yeah. That's why I don't. That's why I really don't talk to her unless she calls me.
0: All right, so she doesn't really do fuck all for her kids, right? The, because the, uh, the, no. the care packages isn't it's for her, not you, right? Because you don't even know why you're getting them.
7: Right, right. Um, correct. I mean, if I give uh,
0: if I give Queen albums to a deaf man. <laughs> Is he going to be grateful? Exactly. Yes, exactly. they're that good. Right. Sorry, go ahead.
7: <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's that's where we're at now. And, um, and like I said, with, I'm going to jump back to my brother now. I mean, I think I've said all I needed to say about my mom. Uh, he just doesn't understand it because he's normalized the abuse to such an extent that if you bring up the idea of abuse, what he'll say is, well, everybody got abused or... You're being a pussy, or um,
0: does he really? Hang on, does he actually? Is that a direct quote? You're being a pussy. Yeah, it is. So that's verbally abusive, right? No, that's verbally abusive. That's why I asked if it was a direct quote. Yeah. Um, So what the fuck are you doing? Been there for another year. uh,
7: I just was. I really was really convinced that he would come around. That if I kept trying.
0: Based on what?
7: Well exactly. So No, no, no. Basically Well, he's okay, hey, son,
0: so I don't say yeah, exactly. That's your mom saying, "Oh yeah, yeah, no, I'll 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 listen. I'll change," right? So he essentially
7: started crying in front of me, which I'd never seen before. So he gave me a very strong emotional appeal, which I fell for. And um oh, so he manipulated you. It seems so, yeah. It's it seems like he did.
0: All right. So he, so you're a pussy. So you're a pussy for being upset about your abusive history, but he's not a pussy for crying so you'll do something. I mean, what is he, 12? And a girl? (laughs) I mean, are you kidding me? Yeah, I mean,
7: ironically, if this was actually a girl, I probably, um, I wouldn't fall for it because, you know, it's like, I know that's in their basket of strategies. But the fact that a guy did that, that's what caught me off guard. And that's why okay so he's uh,
0: needy and codependent and he's afraid of being lonely am i off base
7: no you're not
0: yeah okay all right
7: and the funny thing is like he has a lot of quote-unquote friends which at the same time if he has so many
0: friends like there's nothing lonelier than empty relationships right right At least when you're alone, you can be yourself. But when you're with empty relationships, you can't even be yourself, right? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. You can be uh, real alone or you can be a ghost with false friends. Um, (laughs) The ghost with false friends things, you know. Pulse proximity is not intimacy and uh, it's worse than no friends at all. But all right.
1: Don't leave me Um. with my friends. (laughs) Right. Whatever you do, don't leave me
0: alone with my friends. Yeah. Uh, Don't leave me with the zombie horde. Let me feast on your brain for a while and pretend I'm alive. All right.
7: Right. So um, the other thing is I thought, well, if he's doing this, then maybe he's really committed
0: to making a serious change. So. If he's doing what? What? Crying to get you to stay? Crying. Well, I didn't know at that oh, point. Tears, tears are tears are emotions always.
7: I didn't, you know, I've never seen it before. I couldn't tell that I was being manipulated at that time. Um, All right. I guess it was just a mistake. So, um, basically, I've, I think I've, I'm kind of running out of things to say now. Uh, given, I think I said that. Basically everything that was on my mind regarding
0: this topic. I don't know if you want to add anything or want to ask me any questions. No, I mean I'm, you know, I'd I'd be cautious about this relationship, for want of a better word. Um, people who make commitments to self knowledge, you will not mistake them for fakers, right? Because they're really working. They they get destabilized. Everything's thrown into question. They can't sleep. Uh, Their health habits can decline for a while. They're all consumed. They weep at commercials uh, spontaneously. There are people who are uh, in the process of deep self-mining and reconnecting to original pain. You can't miss that. I mean, it becomes all-consuming because then you turn around and face the fucking predator called history. And, you know, when you're staring in a small room at a big lion, you're pretty fucking focused. And it's all-consuming. You're not daydreaming when you've got a lion in your room. And when you've got a lion called history that you need to find a way to work with without dying, uh, you're pretty focused. It becomes pretty much all you can think about. And so people who are genuinely on that path of turning around and confronting the greatest demons of their history in order to live an angelic future, well, you can't miss that. You can't fake that and... um if he's not doing that, he's, he's not doing that. And if he's not doing that and you are, it's like, uh, oh, what was that famous American writer? She wrote about her something. Anyway, I'll, I'll think of it before the end of the show. She wrote about her brother and she said, Gertrude Stein, she wrote about her brother and she said, little by little, we never met again. And when you diverge in a fundamental way, like I'm now going to be honest and deal with reality as opposed to self-medicate with alcohol and empty relationships and bullshit and avoidance and manipulation. When I'm becoming real, guess what? I can't hug ghosts. Ghosts can't hug each other, but at least they can pretend, right? When you become real, when you come to life, you cannot walk with the dead. They can't stand you. Right? Because... Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they definitely. don't feel dead unless they see a pulse, right? They don't, they don't feel dead unless they see life. So as you bring yourself to life, as you resurrect yourself from the corpse and grave of history, you become antithetical to the, the dead, right? And they want you to stick around because if you're sticking around with them, then they feel alive, and then they don't have to live, right? They basically get to drink your blood and eat your brains, right? They don't have to live. If you're alive and you're sticking with them, they don't have to come to life. They can have the illusion of life, right? They you know how like they have an open casket, they dress up the cadaver to make him not look like a cadaver. Well, that's your job. You can hang around. You need a live undertaker to put the makeup on the skull, right? Do you think people so are just need like sorry? Sorry, go ahead.
7: So do you think people are, like, really just, like, that vicious, like, to the point where they want to, like, be vampires and just basically, like, suck your blood? Because this is coming back to...
0: No, it's not. Um, a, I, I don't know that it's necessarily vicious. And this is an analogy. I don't even know the degree to which it applies. I'm just sharing my thoughts. It's not vicious. It's, it's desperate. I see. Right? I mean, it's, it's just desperate. Uh, You are a thing like if I if I'm drowning and I grab a a barrel to stay afloat, I don't care about the feelings of the barrel. It's just something I use so I don't drown. I don't say, well, excuse me, if you don't mind, I'm going to interfere with your floating. I'm going to. And so when people are desperate enough, desperation turns everyone else into a thing, into an object. Right. Into a flotation device, into a a tool to hack themselves out of out of a prison. Right. When you are desperate enough You cannot consider the emotions of other people. They just become things by which you will attempt to survive. And that could be through sex or money or prestige or conflict or whatever it is. So I don't know that it's cruelty. It may be desperation. But uh, I'm simply pointing out whatever choices your brother makes. If he chooses to reject self-knowledge, I'm telling you this with as much certainty as I can muster. If he chooses to reject self-knowledge and you're in pursuit of self-knowledge little by little, you will never meet again.
7: I already get that impression. So um, going back to the start of the question, I want to tie it together. So um, I said that the people that I hang around with from college, I just really can't stand them anymore. And I, th- I have a feeling that they really can't stand me either. And this whole dynamic of people really not being able to stand uh, my attitude since I've you know taken this journey in pursuit of self-knowledge, it might, be, it might manifest its way in people trying to frustrate me and disagree with everything I say. Do you think that might be a possibility?
0: well having half self knowledge is almost more dangerous than none mm. right so we when we when we study and learn about ourselves we really come to life you know i lived the first 15 years of my life as a corpse as as a little boy with no pulse You know, running around with all the frantic restlessness of a ghost. Without even the stimulating clink of chains. And when I began to look into my history and examine my pain, which I think I did just in time. I began to come to life. Everybody likes coming to life. It's an agonizing process, a painful process to wake up from the cryogenic cage of history everybody loves to come back to life and there's a relief as 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 energy as as emotions as as passions as compassion as as empathy as it flows into you as it energizes you as it terrifies you as it brings you to life you know it literally is the 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 lightning bolt that brings frankenstein's monster to life it feels like that it's searing it's it's powerful and we wake when we wake up to the aliveness in ourselves. we often forget to wake up to the deadness in others to notice the difference. For a long time, I thought I was rejoining the human race in coming to life because I thought, well, you know, um, my leg was broken. I get my splint. I get my cast. I do my rehab and I'm back then running around like everyone else, right? This was my Thought, I was damaged, I was repairing myself, and that I would be fixed like everyone else. This is not the reality of what happened to me. It's not the reality of what happened to anyone I know who has rigorously and relentlessly pursued self-knowledge. It does not happen that you heal yourself to rejoin humanity. Like Nietzsche's Superman, you heal yourself and surpass humanity. Because humanity is, as I talked about earlier in the show, inhumane. And again, you don't have to take my opinions or arguments or experiences for this at all. You have to simply reveal the truth of your history and the thoughts and feelings to those around you and, and test if you know, everything I, I say is to be put to the test of your empirical experience. And But I know, I know, I know what's going to happen. And I know there's a reason most people don't ever do that test because they know what's going to happen as well. But when we wake up to ourselves, we do not climb out of the grave to join all the mourners who then turn into people celebrating our resurrection. We, we come out of the grave to see a world of holes and graves. We, we come out of the grave and see a landscape of the dead. And that is the horror that I was talking about before. So to wake up for yourself is great. I hope that your brother makes the right choice and climbs out of the corpse pit with you. But if he doesn't, you will be on opposite journeys. Well, one of you will be falling and one of you will be rising. Sorry, go ahead.
7: I just want to agree with you, and that that's definitely been my experience. Um, when I do talk to a lot of other people, I do notice their flaws, um, and I notice these really gaping holes within their personalities that I just couldn't even see before. And it's really shocking, and it really gives me a lot of, it, it gives me like a, how do I put it? It's like going back in time and seeing myself What I was like before um, I started to engage in self-examination. So, where I was going with this? Well, I guess I basically just yeah. I don't really have anything else to say about
0: this one, but um, yeah. And if you look, sorry, when you when you really have self-knowledge and you really have the truth, and you really are alive, your your very eyes will burn the dead. I know this sounds all kinds of melodramatic, but I'm telling you, in my experience, it's very true that the very aliveness in your eyes will burn the dead. It's like you get these full concentrated being alive lasers that come out of your eyes. And so when you are alive and you are dining with the dead, you have to pretend... To be rotten, you have to pretend that your teeth are falling out, and you can see your gum line through your, the holes in your cheek. You have to pretend that one eyeball is falling down. Right? You have to mimic the dead to be with the dead. Mm. And that is, um, um, I'm sorry. Go ahead.
7: Uh, I was gonna say, understand. And there's another thing, actually, i just thought of. So when, remember when I asked you, um, do you think it's viciousness, and you had said it was desperation. Uh, the reason why I asked – the reason why I was curious about the disposition of the other person, um, the dead person, is I really want to know how to position myself when I talk to these people. So if it's desperation, I, I guess I kind of feel sorry for them.
0: No, no, no. And I don't no, help I'm like, this Just so I'm trying to get across to you, and I'm not doing a great job, and I'm sorry for that. You can't talk to these people. Mm, I see. You speak a different language now. I see. You, you – you, you cannot talk to them because anything that you say that is honest will be opposed, which is what you started the conversation tonight about, right? Anything that right. you say, it's not, it's not what you say. It's that you're alive when you say it that they're opposing. Right? It doesn't matter what I say to some people. The fact that I'm alive when I say it is what they dislike I see. So you 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 can pretend with them, you can diminish yourself, you can act like the dead with them, but even then you can't really get away with it. But they will enjoy at least having the power over you that you will extinguish your life to join them in their monotonous dirge of emptiness. Right. They will they will at least feel satisfied that they have the power to have you kill your life to sup with the dead, right? They will gain some sense of power. Uh, some, some feeling of power, some rush of power over that. But if you go into the tomb world full of life, they will hate you. Because, and, and not because you're alive and they're dead. They won't hate you because of that. I mean, they will hate you because, because they don't have to be dead. Because they choose to be dead. I see. They think that everyone has to be dead, but when you come along and you have resurrected yourself and you have come to life, then it reminds them that death is in fact a choice. The living death of avoided, repetitive, dysfunctional, abused history, the living death of the Groundhog Day of gruesomeness is a choice. There is two gaps every day in the revolving door of history. You can step out. It's cold, it's bitter, it's dangerous, it's difficult, but you can do it. And whenever the living walk among the dead, it reminds them that they haven't died. They have merely chosen death, chosen to continue in a state of death. And whenever Mm. you remind people who've made bad choices, who consider those choices an absolute, i.e. not a choice, i.e. they're determinists, when you remind people that their state of mind is the result of choices and is not an inevitability it's not human nature they're not doing the best they can with the knowledge they had they don't have good intentions they can fucking change when you remind them of that the first the first feeling you ever sent My daughter calls it crisscross applesauce. You ever sit on your leg in a funny way and your leg is then numb when you straighten it or your foot? I do this. I'll sit like the foot up on the ottoman and I I feel like I get this frozen hoof on the end of my leg, right? What's the first feeling when life rushes back into a dead limb? Tingles and feels uncomfortable. Hurts like hell sometimes, right? Yeah. 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 Resurrection is painful. Coming back to life is painful. And people Definitely, avoid yes. that and say, well, this is life. And then they see someone who's genuinely alive. It's like, oh, shit, that's what life looks like.
7: Or they'll make excuses as to why they're, they're still the way they are. Like, or maybe you had it better than they did. Or,
0: yeah, um, or they'll define life in a negative way. Oh, that's yeah. Me. He's so arrogant. He's so full of himself. He's so insensitive. He's so domineering. He's so bossy. He's so right. Blah blah blah. All they'll do Are is they'll helping? say life is a pejorative, right? And I don't right. want to be that arrogant son of a bitch who thinks he knows everything and tells everyone what to do and blah 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 blah. Right? So they simply define being alive as slander. And it becomes noble to be dead.
7: Yeah, I totally actually I do really pick up on that because I feel like uh for some reason in in the American culture particularly, like sociopathy is is cool in some ways. So like being a complete oh, asshole God, yeah. is yeah, it's just like it's an awesome thing to be to be like so I'll be talking to people about I'll be talking to people something about sports and like the like the machinations and sports contracts and whatnot and how people will fuck each other open fuck each other over in these contract signings and whatnot and people will take the size of of the most like aggressive vicious person in the situation and be like yeah the guy got him or something like that or um they were totally right because he would have got fucked over anyway and this is like this general this general thought that If you're being a sociopath, you are somehow standing up to a system that's trying to force you to be good so it can, uh, you know, manipulate you or it can fuck you over, rather, Um, if that makes any sense.
0: Oh, yeah, because it's all, you know, sociopath. I mean, win-lose, right? There's no win-win. There's no sustainable win-win. It's all win-lose, right? Which is why when you're honest, you get attacked, right? Because it has to be win-lose. Yeah, definitely. And... um, yeah, I mean, the the what is it that most kids want to be is is famous. Right? They don't care how, they don't care why. Don't, but most celebrities are, as far as I understand it, like clinical narcissists, right? I mean, it is a um, uh, it, 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 we have terrifying templates of who you should be in the world. Uh, the heroes—they're all you know cold-hearted uh, people who you know can shoot other people without any particular conscience, and so on. And uh, so, um, yeah, it's uh, we have these terrifying templates. Uh, but this is just the desperation, right? I mean, I want to aspire to be king of the dead is the modern world's greatest ambition, right? I want to be right. lord of Hades. I want to be ruler of the damned. Uh, that is the, the greatest heaven we can think of is being in charge of hell.
7: Right. And I feel like when you say they're clinical narcissists, I totally agree. And I think they're aided and fueled in that effort by... Like the desperation with which people shower praise on them, like adoration and stuff like that. Like people, everybody knows who like LeBron James is, but like how many people would know like who somebody like you is, for example? Even though you've probably done more for people than somebody like LeBron James has ever (laughs) even conceivably think of doing.
0: You know what I mean? I, I, you know, I personally, I think, I think just the right number of people know about me. I actually would not (laughs) want if, if more, if more people knew about me. I would suck at what I do. I think so. Why is that? Oh, I, I really, you know, like I sometimes think, you know, oh, let's say somebody offered me a TV show. I would like run the opposite. <laughs> I would run in the opposite direction. I think just the right number of people know about me. And um, uh, it's going to take a long time for my real value to be seen. Which is perfectly fine. I mean, it would, you know, it wouldn't be as an important job to do if I were better known.
7: Well, you just built a studio, right, Steph? So hopefully, you, you know, you will increase the production quality of your videos and whatnot. And I think that'll attract a lot more people. Too, I built a studio
0: mind. so I could raise my voice without scaring my family. That's <laughs> <laughs> the point. But, um, no, so I could, yeah, so I could be louder without alarming other people. Uh, but um, uh I see. No, it's, it's, you know, this, this idea, you know, like, I should be better known, I appreciate that. And it's, it's a nice thought and so on. But uh, I uh, uh, empirically, uh, you know, I try to reject fantasy as much as humanly possible. And given the statements that I've made tonight about my experience and impressions of and arguments for where the world is, um, I would not, you know, then say I wish I were better known would be to reject everything I just said about the world, if that makes sense. Well, I wish I wish you were better known. How about that? I as I put it this way, I wish I lived in a world where I was better known, but um, and 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 therefore it would be less important that I be so well known, So if that makes any sense. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, we're just aiming yeah. to build that world and. Uh, um... <laughs> It's a it's a multi generational thing. So I am very very comfortable and happy with uh, where the show is. Uh, I'm happy it's doing so well, but I sure as heck don't want to uh, have it uh, go faster because uh, um, that would to that would be to think I lived in a different world, and I don't want to model that or, or have that in my head.
7: Well, that's that's awesome stuff, and thanks for having this conversation with me. Um, Thank you
0: very much. Uh, And of course, as always, uh, drop us a line. Let us know how it goes with your brother.
7: Steph, can I say one more thing? Um, So if you're in the Chicago area, we're having an FDR meetup on Saturday. Um, It's going to take place at 601 North McClurg Street at the local Root restaurant. So if anybody who's listening hasn't seen the advertisement on meetup.com or on the board, uh, you should should definitely join us, and it'll be at 2 p.m.
0: All right. I won't be there but uh, I certainly wish you guys the very best and uh, maybe in the evening we could if you guys go into the evening we could do a little chat on Skype or something
7: sure sounds good
0: all right right. keep me posted thanks everyone for a great show I really really appreciate it it's fdrurl.com forward slash donate to help the show out to help us spread the good word Uh, and uh, have yourselves a great week everyone and uh, we will talk to you Sunday morning remember if you want to join the show just uh Give a uh, email through to Mike, operations at freedomainradio.com, and he will take down your Bitcoin address. I think that's how it works. And uh, <laughs> <I see. laughs> Now he'll just take your Skype name and we'll call you. So have a great week. Uh, anything else you wanted to add,
1: Mike? If you go to fdrpodcasts.com, not podcast, fdrpodcasts.com. It's our new podcast search feature and application thanks to Kevin and James. Recommend you check it out. It's pretty darn cool. So, fdrpodcast.com.
0: fdrpodcast.com. Please check it out. And, uh, yeah, have a great evening, everyone. We'll see you soon.